Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I don't like blood. sad sad day is this is the end of the yuppie nightmares franchise season i know it's 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 uh there's a uh a melancholy paul p-a-l-l yeah uh over uh and a matt sheen m-a-t-t-e <laughs> yeah do you think anybody accidentally comes across our podcast because they're looking for um podcasts about how to uh finish uh <laughs> how to have a map finish um but also with a sense of gloom yeah or they're looking for the third um son of martin sheen matt sheen matt sheen yeah i don't he's not real <laughs> <laughs> got excited though that that was the big uh bombshell that was going to be dropped i know uh, 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 well, yes, I am sad. It's the, it's the eighth and final yuppie nightmare, but there's more n- yuppie nightmares to oh, come. I'm I think sure. that's the most certain I've been about whether we'll return to a type of franchise. Mm-hmm. A, there's so many to do mm-hmm. and it's been not only one of our favorites, mm-hmm. but gotten quite a bit of feedback that people have really been enjoying this yeah. season and, and the subscribers ship's been up so it's, it's nice it's really great all yeah. signs point to more yuppie nightmares i wonder if it is there a particular season we do it I, oh, is I it when I, it feels, the trees turn to a buttery, buttery yellow it's gotta be right <laughs> it really feels right for some reason yeah and then it kind of it's a nice curve into um Halloween like the 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 ghoulie season. Yeah. It's a nice way to dip your toe into the ghoulie season. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Hard agree. But I that's a just now I'm thinking about it. Of these eight movies we watched, not many sunny summer skies. They are they no. do seem to be autumnal or wintry. Were any of them? For one thing, they're never set in tropical locales. 
Yeah, I mean, how many of these are in the Pacific Northwest alone? Because this one sure is. Oh, you're right. And then if it's not on that coast, yeah. it's on the other coast above uh, the Mason-Dixon line right. with, with New York. Um, yeah, or you've got the Deep South, right? In, is Consenting Adults... Where was that? Consenting Adults and was shot in... Oh, yeah. Texas, but I... Th- Think it Wasn't it in like a Carolina of some kind? Oh, you're right. It was North Carolina. And then uh, Sleeping with the Enemy goes. Yeah, from sort of to Cape Iowa. Cod to Iowa. Right. But Hand the Rocks the Cradle, you could count Pacific Heights, Fear. Mm-hmm. Those are all Northwest. Yeah. Well, as you're listing too, just the homes and the spaces and the locales they live at, I think just to kind of, we might be doing this a couple of times, just as we reflect on all the movies as we discuss uh, fear, but um, to look at how often, I mean, I guess they're essentially, all of these are always like some sort of domestic thriller. That's, I think, by definition. It has to be with a yuppie nightmare, but it's not like these yuppies, they're plane crashes and now they're in a jungle fighting right. off techno apes <laughs> you know like, <laughs> Congo techno- style oh yeah uh, they're 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 <laughs> like they're at homes and stuff um and uh oh before we let people know who we are the title of the show yeah. uh, uh uh like save it for a s- twist it's going to be a secret you'll never <laughs> guess what you're listening to uh, <laughs> somebody um I had this in my notes. I forgot to mention, and then somebody had, had commented on the Patreon that um, in Sliver, Tom Berenger, his character literally has a ranch in Montana that oh, he goes right. to. And if you remember at the end of the Consenting Adults episode, yes. that ends with them going out to a ranch. And we were like, oh, that is... Ultimately, as these yuppies are bopping around in New York and cottages and like they eventually just or or suburbia in the hand that rocks the cradle, their dream ultimately is to get away from people and live on a ranch, including Tom Berenger's character. (laughs) But it is an interesting way to pick up when we do discuss fear uh, where it picks up because this guy lives against the water on a peninsula in a guarded upscale home. Yeah. And so in some ways, I'm not going to say this is the culmination of all the, but it is like this guy's trying to have it all. Yeah. He does. (laughs) Of all the movies. He's like got the Pacific Heights, kind of uh, uh, upscale lecture. Well, we can go through it, but it, it, I'm with you yeah, though. I think yeah. I, like he could only really compete with sleeping with the enemy for coastal modern <laughs> homes, though his yes. is more mid-century modern. I think yes. it's quite high. It'd be, it'd be my choice of all the houses from all these movies. Of all the homes, that's the one I would. Yep, it even tops Hand the Rocks the Cradle, and it certainly tops the Sliver Building. Oh my! Gosh. I was just in New York, and I kept looking <gasps> yeah. out for the Sliver Building. Did you look? Uh, for, did you see it always no. around every corner? <laughs> and then it was almost like an evil mirage. You're like, there it is, huh? No. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, 
gotta ask how was new york no it was good yeah. it was fun yeah it was a whirlwind and yeah i was in and out and i had to not only we did two conan live shows but i had to edit one the next day after the first show so i was kind of in Ooh. the hotel room but I did get out and do a little shopping and I went to FAO Schwartz to pick up a toy for Glenn. Yes. And, and, you know, went by 30 Rock because my ho- hotel was right by there. I was really in Times Square. And, uh, I, I, for some reason was thinking FAO Schwartz had closed, but no, it's thriving. In fact, it was yeah, so did it crowded. Move locations maybe? Or? Maybe. I don't know, yeah. but it was so crowded. There was a line to get out. Damn. And that's not like just a Seinfeld joker. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, oh, what? Because people were just, uh, they couldn't get them out fast enough with their, because people were buying so many goods. It's just, there's, it was so crowded in there. It really reminded me of the final scene of Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> yeah. Two mysterious men in black coats. Oh, Fortunately, Glenn wasn't there because if they right. were, you know, if the last shot is a, a daughter with two men in black coats, well, yeah. all points. Uh, to Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Crossover. <laughs> Listen, you've been on bated breath. What podcast are you even listening to? You don't know. I pressed the play button with my eyes closed. Uh, yes. So right now, the possibilities are endless until we collapse this waveform and you look and see whether this is a dead cat or a living cat. Get Collapse ca- the waveform. Commence collapsing. This is with Gorley and Rust. Yes! I'm Matt Gorley. I'm Paul Rust. This is the final episode of this season, the Yuppie Nightmare season. We're going to be talking about fear. You can go to our Patreon at with patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. And during this break, because we'll be back December 23rd with Black Christmas. Yes. And in starting. between, uh, well, we're going to have on our uh, Patreon, uh, our Halloween uh, ends full dive. That's right. And uh, an episode on whether we want to change some of the rankings we've given films in the past. A rethink, right. re-rank. It's worth going back and taking a second look. Yeah. And then, and is this, this is like um, full body, all movies. Um re-ranking against each other not not a re-ranking within their respective season correct like we we can go across all movies and be like you know what because i love gremlins so much that is gonna have to change how i feel about pacific heights oh see (laughs) good question i mean we'll we'll have to settle on some parameters last we spoke and i i don't care what we do Mm mm-hmm wasn't someone threw out the idea that I don't care either. I just, uh, you know, um, uh, want it to be above board in terms of if we have to turn this in legally. With and them. we do. Yeah. Oh. Because this goes to the library of Congress. Then we have right. to, we have to file it with, um, who does the, uh, Academy Awards Waterhouse price Waterhouse price Waterhouse it goes to them. As you have no idea how much work we do behind the scenes to ratify these results. It's difficult. Yeah. But that's, it's also important. That's why we're doing it. That's right. Yeah. So we either, we originally said we could change up to 10 of them, but there's, that's an arbitrary rule. So we could just change, we could just go through the whole list and say, I'm changing that. I'm changing that. Do you have a preference? Mm. 
TBD. Let's see. Yeah. Let's let's take another. It over. Oh, another cliffhanger, listener. You, you barely know what podcast you're listening to. Now you don't even know how we're gonna do this. It's exciting. <laughs> and Matt might have said cliffhanger, but we are not covering cliffhanger. Not yet. We said fear a couple times. Not yet. No. Not yet. I would love to cover that movie. Oh boy, would I ever put it right on the heels of Patriot Games? My God. Hey. uh... That uh, block from June 92 to May 93 of action movies is yeah. a goodie, is, a, is a I know. Now, Patriot Games, you could you could loophole in as a yuppie nightmare. Cliffhanger, I don't think so because he's living up there in a rescue squad up in the mountains. It's not quite yuppie. Yeah, he's more uh, – uh, uh, it's not a yuppie nightmare, more of a uh, – uh, extreme sportsman's nightmare, yeah. a hiker's nightmare. Look for that season, hiker's nightmare. <laughs> hiker's nightmare. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do Never Hike Alone. We'll do, uh, well, we'll be Alive. Do, yeah, uh, Alive. What's the wild Reese Witherspoon's other movie? Oh, yes, yes, wild. Uh, you know what I always thought was a little strange about, um, uh, I love Cliffhanger, but the end it seemed like they were trying to kind of recapture past Sylvester Stallone movie magic. Cause there's a part where you, he has defeated uh, John Lithgow um, as much as he can. And then he starts, <laughs> as much as anyone can, yeah, as much as anyone could on screen. <laughs> and he starts calling out over a crowd of people Hey, Avalanche! <laughs> avalanche! Yo, Avalanche! <laughs> okay, okay. I tried to think of a word that sounded like Adrian, and it was fairly close. That was impressive because it was close to the word Adrian and, like, highly appropriate for the movie. That's a double banger. Thank you, my <laughs> cheerleader and life coach. Uh, uh, who... who uh, uh, no, not a life coach, period. A life coach who uh, joins my... Uh, uh, Your cult? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Buys into my cult. Oh, God. Um, um, what other business? Oh, Townland's Christmas Song is officially out on woo! Bandcamp this week. Yes. So, Patreon subscribers, get it on Bandcamp. When you hear this free feed... It'll be out streaming. So it's out on the 22nd streaming. It's called a Christmas on the Christmas on the Rocks. But get it now on Bandcap. Get it next week on streaming. Although if you're listening for free, get it all anywhere you want. I'll mm -hmm. put it at the end of this episode. You can take a listen. F yeah. F yeah. Okay. It'll I like be a that. double banger. And people can go to don'tstopworldie.com to get our new vinyl uh, release, Beezas, B-E-L-L-E-Z-A-S. What's the, the origin of that title? Uh, that's um, Spanish for uh, beauties. Oh, nice. Uh, because uh, Mike's daughter drew a picture of like a butterfly that was sort of like uh, uh, like crazy exotic mm. uh, mutant butterfly. I got you. Um, and uh, we found it beautiful. We, oh. we thought it was a, a, we thought it was a beauty, but you can't call an album beauties. That's a little too presumptuous. Yeah, that's true. as if. 
calling it Spanish is a presumption, but it somehow undercuts it and makes it just perfect. I think. Um, you know what? And it generated a conversation, and that's really what you're we're trying. People we're talking, talking about it right now. Talking. Multicultural. You're getting people talking. <laughs> hey, like- if you saw that title, you could be home right now. <laughs> Is that kind of marketing, you know? Uh, <laughs> Got Beazes? <laughs> Uh, well, um, we got a lot of baby Zenos. Let's save them for the end. Perfect. Uh, um, oh, also, a Cliffhanger never gave us a Cliffhanger 2, I don't think. No. But we can give a Cliffhanger 2. We also have to nail down our holiday movies. So maybe on the Patreon, <gasps> we can eventually release the titles. That's of, right. Of what, of what we'll be doing, of what That's the right. season is. Because we only got so far. We knew we were doing Black Christmas right into New Year's Evil. Yes, yes, yeah. We, and we figure a leprechaun will be in there. A, lep- a leprechaun has to get in there just like how a leprechaun has to get into life. You know? That's right. April Fool's Day, yeah. I'm assuming. Getting I bet a my bloody Valentine might right. get in there. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what five right there, right? Yeah. And maybe we should have a vote of one that people won. We could throw out choices or something. I don't know. Yeah. There's, it would be good. Let's let's do that. Let's um take the the trusty hive mind just to throw out options like we did with the um, yuppie nightmares because we might forget some. There's more than you think. So much so we could probably do a second season of holidays even. I know you could do a second season of uh, a spring king fling. You could do a second season of a ding, ding, ding. A ding, ding, ding. A third season of we just uh, another season of where we just rewatch all Jaws 4. Oh, this time it's personally my favorite. Is that an edit, Mark? You're doing there. Cut, no. cut that out and let me know those are my claps. I didn't want to really <laughs> set no. that and start well, applauding. I'm clapping for myself. I know you that. don't know my applause after uh, versus Matt. Ah. Uh, yeah, um, but uh, mm. yes. And we mm-hmm. talked about in the future doing a ranking. We're true of, improv guys. Yeah. I said yes. And you and, and. <laughs> yes. We talked about doing a ranking all the franchises episode, <gasps> which we I think we should do in the future. But today, I think we should end with ranking the yuppie nightmares like we often do in a season. That's a perfect ending to this. Yeah. A perfect ending. Yeah. Because uh, I will tell you just – just to take us into fear unless there's not anything. Well, I just, more. when you said ranking the franchises, I thought maybe somehow we could do a portmanteau horror version. That's like, um, Fran Rankenstein. <gasps> and that in itself is a Frankenstein. How about just word. Rankenstein? What? Rankenstein. Yeah. But I wanted the franchise, the franchise. Oh Yeah. Fran Fran Chankenstein. Fran (laughs) Chankenstein. You know, it's funny we use the term franchise for these because I'd love to think you could theoretically go to any one of these series of films and with enough money say, I would like to open an installment of Friday the 13th on my own. Well, let me see. Is there any within 50 miles of you? No. Good. You can have the Southern California Friday the 13th sequel and you do regional sequels, almost like theater. Because do you remember if you, I remember in high school, if we wanted to do a play, the theater department, it couldn't be playing professionally somewhere or if it was playing close, you couldn't get the rights to it. Yeah. Ah, we can't do it now. Competition. And so how great would that be if you could do 
God, think of regional films. How many elbow throwing would be going on uh, with these movies alone up in Seattle? They'd be like, okay, I'm 30 miles outside of Seattle. Right. Uh, But just hear me out here. And and, and this is coming off the tip of my. I love all of this because uh, I, I like the idea of how it would unfold too. Is it like the type that goes clusters out from the Midwest? Is it people who choose major markets over the city? Is it east or west of the Mississippi? No, like, I think it's every every metropolitan area is the hub. With all of these, uh, for, like yes. Friday the 13th isn't like an east no <laughs> franchise that opens up and then uh, like Dunkin' Donuts and then eventually West Coast is like, what's going on with this Friday the 13th? Why don't we, they've been doing part one and two there. Why don't we do? No, well, okay. let, let me get this just straight because all this stuff has to be ratified legally. Everything we talk about is fact checked. And I think you're the one with the vision for this. So uh, I well, yeah. I'm just going to throw this out. So New York franchises, they want to, re- let's say they just want to make Friday the 13th part seven and they want to do something different but it's set in new jersey mm-hmm. la is like well we want to do a friday 13 part seven and it's far enough away it's a non-compete <laughs> we're going to do part seven too and they want to set it in jersey as well they can do it they just get to make their own movie and it has to show locally for six months you have to be in the city to see it that then after awesome. six months it goes streaming and then you just get Tons of these movies you can watch. And then through the grapevine and the internet, everybody's talking about, did you did you see yeah. the Friday the 13th part yeah. eight that they made in Austin this year? That is it's awesome. Set in, it's set in New York. And you can get the rights. You buy the rights. So it's all legal. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Friday the 13th Central is, you know, obviously getting yeah. the lion's share of these percentages. So they're making money hand over fist. Why not license these movies out? It's a brilliant idea. Franchise them. Franchise them. And if you, uh, uh, um, before they go to streaming, you know, after it plays six months in one market and six months in the other market, for one week, they should do like a Freaky Friday thing where they switch the prints. East Coast gets to watch the West Coast. Yes. or, Or other markets. I love it. In the United States, get to look at both of them, and then it goes yeah. streaming. And there are certain parameters, like when you, when you franchise a McDonald's, or in the case of my parents, they franchised a Conroy's Flowers, and they had to adhere mm. to specific standards. There are certain rules you have to follow if you franchise a business. So same here. Oh. So you would have like a style Bible and, you know, Jason Cannon can't do this. Blah 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 blah. Right, you and you would have inspectors going around just to make sure. Like, Absolutely. Uh, why are the why is it the blue insignia on Jason's hockey mask? He's not Roy from Friday Thirteenth Part exactly. Five. He yeah. should have a red insignia. Yeah, and that's why it gets slapped with a C sticker, like the health code does for Cunningham, Sean Cunningham. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is really I. I truly love all of that. America, this is capitalism at its finest. Let's get it going. And I want to circle back to the the franchise floral shop. Is that, are those still, is that franchise still thriving? I think it's somehow merged with 1-800-Flowers. Oh, my parents? No. They sold yeah. it. Yeah. Well, okay. But, but I no, and then, Yeah, yeah. That, so they mer- the but the company got absorbed probably. Yeah, you still see some Conroys around occasionally, but mm-hmm. my my parents owned the Conroys in Brea, California, near the Brea Mall. Damn. And I worked there as a everything you could be. I was a deliverer, a processor, a salesperson, a designer. I was a 
everything. That yeah. is an ideal job as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You get to be around. Christmas was tough. Valentine's Day Valentine's was tough. Day tough. Uh, but you, you, you get to be around nice smells. That's true. Uh, fairly pleasant people. Nobody's walking into a flower shop who's like, um, I don't know. Oh, I know I can I cut know, you off here know, because that know. unfortunately that's not true. If a delivery was fouled Oof. and someone expected something for someone's birthday, that's a real kill the messenger. That is, for you. yeah, it is, yeah. and it's like that's when even the nicest people understandably get really upset, or especially if it's like a sympathy thing or something like that. And this was the okay, days okay. before the internet. So everything was being delivered via Thomas guide. It was a real struggle. Okay. It was convinced a, me that's a real gut wrencher job. Yeah. I really learned my way around. Help me. Just let me deliver pizzas. There you go. There you go. Hey, and it might not smell as good as a rose, but cheese pizza smells pretty good too. Oh God, I'd murder a pizza right now. I'm so... Do you want me to order a pizza so it's here by the end of the session and we eat a pizza together? Do you want to? Let's do it. Okay. I love it. You made me so I love happy. ordering pizza. What a great little spontaneous. God, we still got some spice in our, yes. our podcast Sausage, line. Uh, a spice if uh, we get a combination pizza. Well, we could also I have a pumpkin it. spice. Oh, that's right. If we yes, want one. that's I right. I got some still. I hoarded up this that's year. That's perfect. Uh, oh, Paul, you made me so happy. This is amazing. Oh what's the? Uh, oh, I can't. Um, uh, you can't say your address online, so you put it uh, in there. You type it in. It's thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane. <laughs> I was gonna joke. You know, there's a security system in uh, 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 Fear, and uh, you know it's one four two three. Yeah. I think. And uh, <laughs> it'd be like, Matt, what is your security code? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. That was a fast typing, Matt. It just found it. It knew. Oh, it knew. Yeah. From previous typing. I think Postmates is fairly familiar with our address. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, little well, Caesar just, himself shows up. Uh, I You're opened the app. Hot. I open the app that? and it goes. What kind of accent is that from Little Caesar? <laughs> He's more like this. Pizza, pizza, pizza. pizza. Uh, I open the app and it just goes, you again? Well, you just I think ate. I told you when I was sadly staying at the Oakwood. Yeah. And I drove through it in and out and the person said, you come here a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm a sub. I don't even have a full-time job here and I see you every time. <laughs> There's a picture of you in the back that says, this guy likes them burgers. Uh, <laughs> them burgers. Uh, do you want to type in a pizza place you like that's oh. uh, in the yeah. hood? Because, you know, uh, we could do what they did in Fear, which is I play a Game Boy while you order Domino's. Oh, while mom orders Domino's. Well, let me ask you this. Here's a, just a, a pizza question. So there's- Pizza, pizza. Delicious, like kind of- it's not super fancy, but it's like gourmet special pizza. Regano? And then there's really good regular pizza. So what do you have a preference? We could nope. do either. Whatever you uh, lo uh, love. Oh, that's a tough one. I say we, you know what? Let's go, let's go regular style. Boopie, boop, boop. So we're going tomato pie as oh. opposed to um, triple B. TP is my favorite P. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Next to uh, uh, CC. Crispy crust. Oh, yeah. 
That's a donut. No, not crispy crust. Not crispy crust. C.C. DeVille from Poison? C.C. DeVille is um, my favorite. Your favorite pizza. No, Fresh Brothers. Well, I've never had Fresh Bros. Fresh Brothers is um, Pizza Corner. It's time for the Pizza Corner. I don't know any uh, of this. Is this a, a uh, Midwestern thing? Well... It it, it, it it you'll soon see it is because uh, <laughs> when I was growing up, the best pizza in the world was Godfather's pizza. Uh, it continues to be my favorite pizza really? in the Midwest. When I go back, sign me up for some Godfather's. And it's because the way the cheese and the toppings melt Pivotal. together. Pivotal. Uh, it's never been replicated at any pizza place I've ever been before, but Whoa. I love it. It's Whoa. just like a signifier of like... Happy childhood bliss uh, yeah. when I eat that kind of, you know. But it is good. It's not just like I'm eating shit. Mm, right. Uh, uh, but, um, and it's just pure nostalgia. I think pizza gets grandfathered in as like kind of like your James Bond does. Like if you have the best pizza you have as a kid. Remains. Or your SNL cast. Yes, that's yes. right. Yes. For me, it was a place called Stuffed Pizza, UFT, Ooh. which I don't think is around. It was in Whittier. And I sat out. I used to go there and play Space Ace, this like, you know, like a Dragon's Lair type cartoon oh, video game. Bliss. And I saw the Olympic torch run by there. Fuck yeah. yeah. I said F yeah earlier. But that was <laughs> that's a yeah. And it was, uh, this is, uh, it was for the 1984 Olympics and we were all sitting on the curb waiting for it to come by and it was a person in a wheelchair had it. And I remember horribly being a little disappointed like as a kid, like how horrible is that that I would be disappointed? But I just I just was so not expecting that. I yeah. was, You just expect a, a jogging athlete of some kind. And I look back on it now, I'm so glad that I saw that because – it really kind it of probably expanded sh- your horizons of what the world was. But I, I remember I, as a kid, I had to ask myself, like, why was I disappointed? And then go and then understand, no, I shouldn't be disappointed. Yeah. It took me many years to, to get there. I'm not some yeah. like saint. But I understand from the uh, point of view of a, of a kid at a pizza place playing a video game that that would maybe uh, it just threw subvert me. your expectations. Yeah, now I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, oh, but yeah, so uh, this Fresh Brothers has replicated finally for me the Godfather's oh. melty cheese uh, toppings. And they're around ratio. town? They're around here in we Los Angeles. You can get Fresh Brothers if you want. No, no, no. I don't know why I stress brothers, but <laughs> Fresh Brothers. Oh, look at her. She's a voyeur. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Berenger. <laughs> uh, uh, no, TP is my favorite. Okay. I'm just saying I love Fresh Brothers because it does that. Okay. But the final point of this is because the way Fresh Brothers pizzas are made, they are the go-to pizza at every kid's Mm, birthday party or whatever. So it's almost like a guarantee when you're pulling up to like a birthday party, you're like, on the other side of that party, (laughs) it's some Fresh Brothers pizza. And uh, everybody loves it. Everybody gets down for it. Uh, uh, You know, I think I told you once uh, when I was, Leslie and I were living in New York for a couple months uh, and Mary was about 18 months old. There was some Saturday morning, hey, we put paper over some walls. You can put art up. And we'll have music playing and you can paint the walls and have fun and also see other different crafts. 
and some music was playing, you know, like uh, uh, Uptown Funk or something. Yeah. And we're like in the heart of like Manhattan where things are supposed to be either really cool or hot or happening, or at least I would be so self-conscious about me being a hayseed. Right. And it truly took me to like a, 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 a Nirvana level of like parenting where it was like, the fact that everybody around here is like wearing ill-fitting clothes and sweatpants and dancing like dorks in daylight in front of everybody because there is zero uh, self-consciousness. Oh. Uh, hey, sign me up. That's, That's all I've find. wanted since I was a yeah. junior high. That's a find. Yeah. You stumbled <laughs> anyway, about. Yes, yes, yes. So that also is on the other side of, uh, it, it goes along with the Fresh Brothers experience yeah. is, is just getting to pe- see people be... Uh, Authentic. Now, what do you like for toppings, my I'm, friend? I'm fairly flexible. Do you have any preferences? And by the way, I just want to say I love having the confidence enough in our listeners to know that we don't need to apologize for ordering a to taking for honestly taking 20 minutes to order a pizza. Well, I hope this, uh, this was a cue for people not necessarily to get a pizza, or, but just with something that they either like to eat or drink or just enjoy doing, or get a pizza. Hell yeah! Get a pizza. What do you like? Um, also, yes, I I uh, agree, Matt. I I do appreciate that. Yeah. But yes. Uh, I hope it doesn't seem too indulgito's way. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more indulgent than Carlito's way. So, well, well said. Except for maybe raising cane. Yeah, raising and indulgito's way. Oh, uh, do they have uh, order a bag of indulgitos? Oh, they got a. Oh, I just said they're sold out. It just popped up, sold out of it. Uh, sold out, uh, and don't we know it? Oh, uh, uh, do you like the pepperoni? Do you sure. like the plain cheese? Do you like uh, uh, mushrooms, green peppers? I don't know. What I kind like of mushrooms. Guy you are. I like green peppers. I could do any one of those four things off the bat, or uh, or just cheese. I really like all that. Um, what of those? How about a half a cheese? Yeah. Half of whatever. Whatever you or I or... Because you, you, you prefer cheese. I just eat a plain cheese. I like a plain cheese too. So we just get a plain cheese pizza or is that too... That's such now... How about we do anti-climax this? Let's to, do half plain cheese, half mushroom and green pepper. I just threw those out, not as like a, a coded... No. I'm talking to my parents you way hit of me. like, you I hit actually kind of want this. That, I was just... That's what I like. What the F? Yeah. You know what also this is? If our podcast has always been like a a, 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 a look into how um, men over the over past their mid-30s, how two men befriend each other, one of those components is two buddies figuring out how do they order a pizza right. together. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> with, that's absolutely Especially right. when they each have wives and they, they're comfortable with how the pizzas get ordered. Yeah. There's, there's, we're in new terrain, brother. You man, and we've flying colors, I have to say. <laughs> so half cheese, half mushroom green pepper. That works for me. Beautiful. Wow. Hey, while I order this, why don't you talk about your first and most recent, I think you said you watched in the last year, fear experience. And I will. I'll not do my best. I will listen and No, hear. I know that's hard to concentrate. Now, 
I I mentioned that we watched this for we put on a backyard movie every once in a while. We haven't done it for a long time, but Fear was one of Amanda's choices and it was only, I mean, it couldn't have been more than four years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember anything about this movie. Wow. What was the thing that you were most like, ooh, that is a surprise to me? The whole ending, the whole home invasion. I must have fallen asleep outside. The only thing I remembered was obviously, and I'm not saying this in a pervy way, the roller coaster thing, because Amanda would always talk about that. She's like, you haven't seen Fear? She gets fingered on a roller coaster and she kept, I think it was formative for her in some way. <laughs> yes, I, um, uh, I've noticed like you- Amanda most remember the figure banging roller yeah. coaster scene. Um, the fact that there's different ER words and stuff feels like another opportunity. Uh, Roller finger coaster banger. Oh, I thought you were going to go like voyeur, but finger. Oh, the running man. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. What if that ride was just called like the finger banger? <laughs> <laughs> step right up, step right up, line up here for the finger banging. <laughs> you must be this erect to ride this ride. Gross. Just Ted what happens. Get in line for going to dead base. <laughs> this is what happens when you order pizza. It's suddenly guys night. Guys night out. <laughs> it's 11.30 in the morning. <laughs> but. And went, oh, right when my finger touched the uh, mushroom and green pepper. <laughs> I don't remember loving or hating this movie when I first saw it. I had no emotional or just mm-hmm. actual recollection of it watched it this morning really liked it in the context of this series we're doing and i would rate it pretty high in the in the top half of the films we've watched i yeah. would say uh, i thought similarly before i came here we both watched it this morning we uh, yeah. that was the one thing we kind of said to each other oh, i watched it before um uh, uh uh yeah i thought to myself if there were three tiers in this mm. set of movies, uh, great, good, not so good, bad, uh, it'd be in that top third. Yeah, I think so too. I was surprised at how, well, the subject matter is uh, with the youngest characters we've had so far, but in many ways, it was strangely like the most mature of the movies. I hear you. Yeah. It's not like, and I don't mean like this is a drawing room, you know, drama. But compared uh, to some of the way the subject material is handed in handled in in like consenting adults and all that stuff, yes, even the roller coaster scene was actually pretty good, you know it, oh, it's not laughable. there's no. a reason people remember that, yeah. and it's telling too that you don't remember that any at all. I don't remember the I watched it when it first came out on video, but I don't that whole ending. We'll get to it, but yeah. it's the thing that keeps, I think, the movie from being a classic. I agree. There's a reason why people don't like, they should, it comes close to like, you would put it on a ranking of the best like thriller, 90s thrillers. Yeah. It just kind of devolves into a pulp. Devolves yeah. into, yes, it's like pulpy gang of bad, yeah. uh, 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 um, grungy guys, grungers. Yeah. yeah. Um, mud honey visits. It does a home invasion. <laughs> it's straw dogs meets straw mud dogs honey. Straw dogs meets mud honey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or mother love bone meets, um, 
it's the strangers. I did write in my notes. I was like, when the dog's head comes through the doggy door, I was like, this is what happens when Soundgarden invades your house. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, the... Uh, 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 yeah, the but the going back to the good category of like what worked and the roller coaster scene and why there's a reason people remember that versus something else is uh yeah, it's really great. It's it actually is. a really great sequence. Yeah, it's it's uh, for some reason I was thinking about this when I was watching it. I was like I I'm going to do my best to talk about this, but I worry that I'm going to sound pervy for making it seem like this is one of the better scenes of the movie but it it's because of the way it's shot that fucking song is so good the cover of wild horses by yeah, by the sundays sundays mm-hmm. and and just the acting they, they don't overplay it mark Wahlberg is so good in this movie it's yes, insane <laughs> i know he's uh really good and uh it, it really uh handsome and magnetic like uh yeah uh i mean hunky yeah like uh uh, that that's part of why i think that roller coaster scene really works you said two of them it's like that song is so good uh mark Wahlberg in that scene is it's the scene that i realized maybe distinguishes the good movies from the bad movies or the effective thriller yuppie nightmares versus the ones there's got to be a moment where you can understand how the villain would be somehow seductive yeah. or gave something good and was a conventional movie leading character that when it goes sideways, there was something there. I mean, like... Because he's also not being predatory at that moment. No, it's... And then you realize it's the difference when they... She loses her virginity. Uh, you realize how stark of a difference it is because the roller coaster, it's consensual in the sense that she's yeah. taking his hand, putting it on her leg, and in the... When she loses her virginity it's literally invasive he gets the security code she gives it to him but while she's asleep and she wakes up and he's naked sort of within seconds is kissing her that scene is it supposed to be i don't think purely romantic no the romantic scene is the romance scene also and then the last thing i was going to say the fact that it's shot like the most beautiful mid-90s MTV Buzzbin era, <laughs> like just when they looked like fucking gorgeous. That's the art thing. Movies. I was. It, it is. You put it right. It's romantic because that movie. I mean, that scene. I wasn't like titillated by it. I was taken back to when I was that age. Not in that specific situation, but that kind of like the excitement of sexual awakening and how romantic it is more than just physical. Yeah, you. you f- I felt that when I watched this movie yeah. because of the music and the looks on their faces. I oh, felt yeah, that it is kind emotional. of emotional. Like it's a more emotional of, than uh, you know, or that first time of like erogenous a, a feeling or feeling the feelings of what you erogenous? think are probably love, yeah. but are actually lust, but you don't know it at that age. So you're feeling like physical erotic feelings, but at the same time, in your mind, it's love, and it's just yeah. There at that age. 
You'll, you never had it before and you'll never have it the same way again when you age. Uh, to, to quote Margot yeah. to, uh, to Nicole, she says, you, you'll have your first, you won't remember your second, you won't remember your third, but you'll I, remember I, your first. I, I disagree with that. Well, but I, I also <laughs> thought there was something that it, 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 it extended the yeah. cliche of you remember your first. There was like a sad kind of melancholy. Yeah. Going back to the thing of like when you're a kid, the mixture of like lust with real the first feelings of love. Yeah. Uh, uh, that is the, along with really great acting that's well cast, directed by a filmmaker you can tell loves actors, like work with Sean Penn and yeah. like they don't let a scene move on and they don't call it a day until the, each scene actually is effective that moment when she uh call amy brennan's character says you look like a slut yeah that was when i was like oh i'm watching a sophisticated as sophisticated as these movies could be like drama yeah this is all within the context yeah. of this genre but for the genre top tier like it's you in said, the same yeah. league as hand the rocks to cradle and fatal attraction yeah. where what I'm really getting is just good drama, uh, which is like good acting, which is like she has her back turned and she's like turning off a lamp and going, and why don't you take off your makeup? You look like a slut. And it's this kind of like quietly devastating moment between a girl and her stepmom in a lifetime movie pulpy hands that would be the you look like a slut or evil you whore. yes you're just a whore yeah 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 okay well i'll show you who's a whore and then she runs out um <laughs> but it's same with fatal attraction you know i was like oh if the all the drama you have to mine is if somebody got pregnant who you didn't want to be pregnant <laughs> and this is even more pure and universal which is everybody knows what it feels like to fall in love everybody knows what it feels like to go through a teenage or young adult breakup and you get in some ways from both sides boy girl the responses to both of those things and like I'm on uh, speed of roller coasters. I'm on the ride through the whole movie because I can just be pulled by. I get it. Yeah. High emotions. Yeah, you're in love and horny. Yeah, is like such a crazy. <laughs> yeah, and hey, the soundtrack has to be Bush. <laughs> With those sorts of feelings, the only soundtrack a, could be yeah. "Come Down" by Bush twice. Twice. Is it the same song twice, or was there? A there's also they also have a machine head oh. Bush's machine head in the middle there of a Gavin, Bush sandwich. Gavin Rostell reminds me so much of Loris from House of the Dragon. I don't know if you watched that show, but <laughs> I don't. But to know that there's a character and there's like, a guy that uh, his brother in in House of the Dragon, um, uh, Harwin Strong, the the bone breaker or something he looks just like scott stapp from creed <laughs> so they've really got a thing going I, I put up an instagram post about this but this also has so some sort of like post alternative rock kind of i don't tour know what they're doing involving yeah. these guys yeah actually and now that i think Could you it, do a whole yeah uh casting recasting of that ensemble with 
I think so because there's these Lannister twins that kind of look like Lane Staley from Alice in Chains. A Jerry Cantrell? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Or is it just two Lane Staley's? Well, Stan- Stan- they're twins, so yeah. There's probably a Kim Thale. Uh, in there two too. lanes. Oh, yeah. Two lanes of traffic. And don't forget that this movie has towed the wet sprocket. Something's always wrong, which was when everybody else was grunging, I was toting. <laughs> well, uh, you try to rely on your good intentions. <laughs> try to rely on your good intentions. When your head's full of mine, what is the. When your head's full of things that you just can't manage. I wanted you to sing it though, Matt. Huh? Didn't I wanted I? you to sing that line. Like you sang. Try to rely on my good intentions. When your head's full of things that you just can't mention. I don't know if those are the words, but there's that little riff in there. Little release. Yes. And then I don't know what the lyrics were, but it sounded like burrito supreme. (laughs) Look it up. Oh, yep. No, the lyrics were burrito supreme. Did you order that pizza? I did. Preparing your order. Sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus. What a day. What a fun day. <laughs> what a day. What a way to go out. We should order pizza the eighth Clearly, movie. Clearly, we're doing the emotional buffer thing. Yes. Like we're sad. We're eating that our- the, That the, the yeah. yuppie nightmares is over. And we're having a little break. So how yeah. are we going to- That's right. It's like the, the last day of school when you get pizza. You know, someone- Oh my <laughs> God. Is it, now we got to go and clean out our lockers. Oh, oh my gosh. Shit. I uh, scraped my finger for the third last day of school in a row, cleaning my locker. When will I learn? (laughs) It was so weird because I'd cut it and then you'd have to put your hand in like a bucket of water with soap. Did you have to scrub out your... No. Oh, your last day of school wasn't doing hard labor. What jail were you in? What... Um, you just scrub out schools. your locker? And it's funny, it's the earlier they go back, the more it's like cleaning your desk out, cleaning out your locker. That just meant emptying belongings. We never had to scrub or clean anything. Oh, yeah, it was like sweeping <laughs> things out, cleaning it out. As if somebody with that summer wasn't, their job wasn't to go around and clean all the but Right. I, di- <laughs> I digress. Well, but you guys had all those crazy indoor lockers. Dude, don't. Even get me started <laughs> on when you're a kid living in the Midwest and you watch a movie shot in California, you're like, what? outdoor courtyard <laughs> hallway, say what? Uh, I mean, it was enough for us. We couldn't believe we had just like a, a roof over our lockers. For one thing, it was bad enough. Wild. We had uh, a, like I a, had a, ideal, uh, idyllic. Yeah, I guess um, so. But the, yeah, the fact that the that movie is just like mining those really two strong feelings to the whole movie and is also, yeah, well cast and well acted. The other thing that I thought was like a big plus that I just noticed was, um, you know, the director, James Foley, his first movie was like, I think like 86 at close range. Oh, God. Which is I really haven't great. seen that since. Yeah. That time when it hit cable. Yes, yeah, right. That Cable was staple. when I was a kid. That was like, whoa, that's a drama. This mm-hmm. is serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would put him maybe in some sort of school of like post Scorsese, mm. where it's like, a well, partic- they, they name check Travis Bickle in this movie. I miss that. Yeah. Gary says, calls uh, David Travis Bickle. Ha! 
oh man, I, that flew by me. But uh, uh, that like a particular type of level of acting, but also like different than the seven other movies we've watched, which were more kind of Hitchcocky, very little camera movement. It's like zoom ins and zoom outs. This felt like a post Corsese, like it's not as hell bent as Cape Fear, yeah. the 1991 one is, but they're having things like when he starts punching his chest oh, to cause yeah. the bruise, the camera like starts pushing in. Like, and the first scenes I remember just being like, Um, it was notable enough that I had watched seven of these movies where not a lot of this was happening when in the first scenes, the camera was like tracking with people and moving in and mm. kind of doing these exciting things. It, it felt like uh, maybe in editing and cinematography, the most and it stands to reason it was the most recent of all these, just the most contemporary. Yeah. Um, what else did he direct? So he did Who's That Girl? Oh, yeah. And uh, he also did uh, um, After Dark, My Sweet. I did screenshots. I did some <laughs> preparation that uh, usually leaves me confounded when I do these. But I found him. <laughs> uh, his first movie was this movie, Reckless. Uh, written by uh, Christopher uh, Chris Columbus uh, before Gremlins was ever made. It was actually his first produced screenplay. This is the second time you brought up Gremlins on this podcast, and I think it's, well, it's multiplying because I'm drinking water. That's true. It's also notable that I, when we watched Gremlins, I said that Gizmo has a mouth similar to Reese Witherspoon, and when I watched this movie, I stand by that. And this is not me saying she looks like a Gremlin. She's no, obviously gorgeous. Yes. But they have a similar mouth, Gizmo and Reese Witherspoon. So is it the reverse now when you watch Fear? Are you thinking she has a Gizmo mouth? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> what if we did a little digging and we found out her mom fucked Gizmo? <laughs> I thought you were going to say she was just like an animatronic, but no, her mom fucked Gizmo. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, how would she even get impregnated by him? Well, with his Gizmo. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's last one. Night. That's when last day of school. A little devil comes we're out. We're just having two bros having pizza, man. Yeah, you gotta make a joke about geos in our man cave. C -c 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 cave <laughs> <laughs> brought <to> you by <laughs> uh, Snap On Tools. <laughs> snap On, Snap On dildos. What? We're in a man cave. Ooh, we can say it. Uh, let's bleep that out. <laughs> I'm kidding. B -b 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 bleep. Uh, so he did. Uh, at close range then. Oh, yeah. He made his name in doing a lot of Madonna videos. Who's that girl? Another. Then he did Who's That Girl? Um, after Dark, My Sweet. Is that what I said previously? Or did I mess that up? The movies he did right before Fear were uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross. Oh. So like I said, uh, a director's act, actor's director. Glenn Gorley, Glenn Ross. That is perfect, Glenn Gorley, Glenn Ross. Uh, two, the two movies he did, two bits, which I'm not very familiar. Uh. More of the sequel, uh, the prequel, Shave It a Haircut. Uh, <laughs> after that, then he did Fear. Then, like any um, 
a director who likes to work with actors and just is trying to get a drama made in the last half of the 90s. He does a John Grisham adaptation with The Chamber. Oh, um, uh, 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 Then does this movie I'm not familiar with, The Corrupter in 1999. Never heard of it. Confidence in 2003. Mm. Perfect Stranger in 2007. And then uh, does television like Hannibal. Um, Oh, no, no. Then he did the Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Freed Interesting. Um, I remember seeing his name on... He did 12 episodes of House of Cards, and I remember oh. seeing his name in Ernest Dickerson's name on episodes and being like, oh, these are great because they feel cinematic. Interesting. Um, and like somebody who's a real craftsperson. But, uh, um, well, yeah. should, should tell us what was your first experience with the motion picture Fear? <laughs> did you see it in 96? Uh, if the video release came, if it was early enough, I might have seen it in the fall of 96 or early mm. 97. Oh, my friend. It could have only have been uh, uh, the, uh, no, I don't know about this. But um, but yes, the, the way I'd watched it was, um, so if, uh, elementary school parties are boy boy, yeah, and junior high parties are boy girl. Uh huh. High school parties can become this fun thing where it's boyfriend girlfriend parties, oh. where um maybe. And it's something that I thought resonated truthful about fear. The specifics obviously are extreme, but the thing that happens where Alyssa Milano is dating a dude, that dude has a friend and that friend starts dating. Yes. That is the most, like, I feel like a virus. Yes. Yes. It's just like, and vice versa. My friend meets a girl. Oh, does she have a, I mean, it's the classic, does she have a friend? And then you meet like, uh, so like the, uh, uh, um, wait a minute. So the, the, the way the movie was, uh, unfolding like that, uh, what were we talking about, Matt? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Where, where, when you first saw it? Jeez Louise. So, uh, 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 so in this situation, it wasn't like a list or anything, but it was like my friend John and I are each dating girls who go to the public school and they are friends with each other. And then different they, school than you. Yes. Oh, that's that was like I remember that having like such a I don't know, like an X factor about it, like a girl from another school. Just oh the, the, yeah, the, yes, the mis- yes mystique of it all yes there was a mystique and uh if on valentine's day at the very end of the day in the announcements it was like paul rust you have something to pick up in the front office it meant flowers and it was the perk of dating somebody from another school if you went to the same school, you're not dropping off the flowers at the front desk they're not getting announced over forget it no way that was like you know Deadline.com, as yeah. far as uh, high school is concerned, <laughs> is getting the word out that way. Like, oh, 
Who would be sending flowers to Paul on Valentine? Well, mystique, mystique. Uh, so then instead of it being the flop side where it's John and I's dude friends. Yeah. It's more our girlfriend's oh, crew. Gotcha. And we're having like a boyfriend, girlfriend party in a basement on a Friday night. Fear has just come out on video. The people who got to see it in theaters have talked about it many months about certain points. How old are you? Scene. Uh, I would have been 15 on the cusp of 16. Perfect. I mean, you oh, couldn't be more. I mean, that's why I'm setting it up oh this my way. God. It was like boyfriend, girlfriends going through this experience and then all kind of having... It was a different experience than if I had just watched it with my girlfriend, who we can imagine having this like weird scenario. Yeah. It's another thing to have like 10, 12 high schoolers watching a movie and sort of having a collective response to what they're seeing that like is some way a mirror to them. It was cool. Do you remember on the roller coaster scene, was everybody just quiet or did someone have to make a joke because they're uncomfortable or do you? I mean, it's interesting because the first time I'm seeing that scene, it's like absorbing I'm because sure. I'm just like, what a, uh, it, you know what? I think it got that classic treatment of quiet through the whole scene, a crack after the scene yeah, happens yeah. because you don't want to maybe ruin whatever the <laughs> magic is. <laughs> no one That's wanted how, to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. not be in that moment. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> You know, with that roller coaster scene, it is funny to think how, because I was thinking about this when you were saying it really puts you in the place of when you were that age experiencing something. Um, whatever that act is, rounding third base, whatever you call it, or third base. Uh, uh, I think that's is, second base. There's always such a disagreement about these kind of things. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't oh my God, first base blushing. kissing, second base is touching. This may be different regionally. We may have to go talk to the franchise. What's first base for you? Kissing. Yeah. Second base is touching. Although I think some regions have it as over the clothes touching and third base is under the clothes touching. But I always understood it. And this is well before I was ever playing baseball, if you get my meaning. Kissing's first base, touching second base, oral's third base, and sexes. You know what it was for me? It was kissing first base. Second base isn't. Look, these are our rules. It's um, above waist, below waist, either or mouth. Right hand, whatever. Look, yeah, save speak freely because this so is then like third base is below the way. I, I think mine is different than what most people consider. It was below the wave and for what me and my friends considered. I see. Uh, In some ways, below, yours is more below the waist is fingers, mouth. Anything third grade, uh, third base. See, in, in, uh, yours may be the more logical terms of escalation. That may be better. 
I mean, I do think just in terms of understanding, I'm not terms like this is the weirdest conversation. It, it, it goes a little askew, male female wise, around second base. Yeah, right. Because I could see more in the favor of that's true. It doesn't if that's an right. HJ and third base is a BJ. That is a difference that's getting ignored. Also, what what is the above the, the waist above with the, the mouth? For yeah. a girl, like, what's she going to do? For the girl onto the boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. That's a real uh, a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if the boys enjoy it, like, I it's guess. fine. He's, 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 uh, I, you know, I, I think this is an, an argument for how it's the base thing has never been fully yeah, an apt if, if metaphor. Yeah, I think it's an illustration of how, yeah, people, when they try to uh, nail down this sort of uh, thing that, Gets talked about, but not fully talked about, yeah. which um, could be a nice little dovetail thing into what I wanted to, uh, uh, um, oh, estimated arrival in 25 minutes. Perfect. Um, um, do we eat dare? We should eat. We'll take a break. Yeah, because we'll we don't want those sickos being like, oh, I love how they chomp on pizza. Yeah. Uh, um, sickos, you're all sickos. <laughs> as we talk over and over about this roller coaster scene. Uh, the, uh, 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 oh, 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 the sort of, um, what happens when people can't talk about something and can only exist in their brain, their thoughts and their own experiences. Uh So look, um, I haven't been in the position yet of being the father of, uh, an adolescent, daughter so i can't purely speak from this experience but just stepping out and being um uh going out above my skis here Mm -hmm. um if you just kind of boil it down to like what happens in terms of sexual thoughts sexuality thinking versus talking about it like no matter what, but with this situation, with the fear situation or whatever, like, you know how um, if somebody cheats, they suspect the other partner is cheating. Yeah. And it's because what somebody else's psychological state is unknown. So the only thing you can fill it up with is your own experiences. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, I guess, no, this is generally speaking, it's just like, then that's why that happens. But it's some sort of rot that's going on that's just like not being talked about. It's my hunch a bit that, and this movie, Fear, is like, explores this. I think it's like a good thing that the dad isn't just this like entire hero. He's like scuffed up that, and they don't totally delve into this particular aspect, but... I think the more a guy had complicated feelings about sex and the way they access it, that is such a weird stew in a guy's brain. For sure. 
doesn't talk about it with other people. Not the mud honey boys for no, sure. No, certainly not. Not a uh, sympathetic ear. So then lo and behold, this like you've been putting in the back of your mind for the last 25 years or whatever, uh, this perfect container of a teenage daughter comes around of like all your hangups, all your, and it's like, and I'm not just purely talking about I, out of my ass. I've seen this before with people who have older daughters. If you treated women right when you were growing up, you don't have this, what are fucking guys doing with my daughter? Yeah. Because why would you? You do have some understanding that there is a capacity, like... Yes. So anyway, it's a long way of saying, like, if dudes kind of have this weird stew going in their brain, it's really unfortunate how, like, the family has to kind of bear this fucking, like... Well, because she also he didn't work out when he was 19 years old and trying to get laid. She, <laughs> she also handles all of this very well on her own. Yes, yes, she goes back to him. She's young, but she's not like a desperate, deluded person. She, when it gets yeah. really dark, she. Well, and her going back to him hinges on the dad. There's that moment where he could be there in a loving yes. way, but he sees the condom and he turns and yeah. gets aggressive, but doesn't even say why. Not to mention that this whole thing would never have happened. This whole story would have never have happened if they would have just gone to see bald James Taylor because she wouldn't have seen, she wouldn't have seen this guy. <laughs> I did think there was two original sins to this, which is him bailing, uh, them not going to that thing together. And then the second one was, uh, the, the, the con. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, what you're saying did make me realize that this of all the movies, and maybe it's worth even crowning mm -hmm. sure. the, the worst yuppie nightmare. And I think for me, this would be it. If I was that dad and it culminates in the scene at the pool oh, when he's kissing her forehead and looking at him like I have full control of your daughter. Not that he should – not that the dad should have full control, but just to see the daughter that you love in the hands of someone who is so obviously twisted and evil yeah, it would be a like, true, true nightmare. When I saw that, I was like, bold move. <laughs> Looking at the father while you kiss the daughter and not even just like a pet. No. It's like sloppy no. Julianne Moore and Boogie Nights with no. her kissing. He's like, doing that thing where his head stays still and his lips yes. extend like a like a um, animal, like, like some a, kind a of chimp weird. or yes. like a orangutan, how they can like purse their lips outward, yes. like articulate yes. them like fingers. And yes. he just does this like Well, and oh. it's the punctuation mark to the scene where he walks in and his knew his second wife she's like flirting with him and yeah. he's like hey baby and she's like oh you yeah. like that's also a part of the I agree uh, the <sighs> yeah this would be the worst nightmare because it's the thing that it's also not asked for so like right it's not like fatal, fatal attraction, attraction where you like you, you, he set that in motion. You fuck around and you get yeah yeah. No one, neither Reese Witherspoon or the father really did anything. Like obviously, him going off to work does not deserve uh -huh. this. It was a you know maybe a mildly bad parenting decision, right? But not going to a James Taylor concert does not equal this punishment. Yeah, I mean maybe he's that good. I've never seen him live. <laughs> but I mean yeah, there seems to be like some 
suggestion that he's prioritizing work over the family. And if he wasn't doing that, then, um, uh, but yeah. And it, to what you said about like, they're sort of, um, this was unasked for notably. It's also the first of these eight movies where it's a, um, some white trash person is trying to invade our yuppie, yeah. uh, uh, our safe yuppie enclave. (laughs) Hand that rocks the cradles up there too. Cause they're no, no, no. Remember? Cause she, she has a really rich husband. No, I know. I mean, just for, in terms of nightmares, because it's always comes down to like your children being in danger. So fatal attraction, you know, he set that in motion sleeping with the enemy. Oh, that's pretty bad too, but that's at least just yourself. It's not just, it's not your children. Yes. Okay. I know. I Do remember when we talked to Hand the Rocks the Cradle, yeah. it was when she's like privately kind of poisoning yeah. the little girl's mind against the parents. You're yeah. Like, Got my blood boiling. Yeah. Uh, the And then the Mark Wahlberg looking. The thing that's really annoying about the looking while kissing is in any kind of like, this happens in sitcoms too, where it's like, if you would just look right now, I would have all the proof in the world. I know. If you, yeah. he was doing the evil thing right next to you. Uh. <laughs> you couldn't see it. Um, Pacific Heights, no, they were douches. Uh, right. Uh, uh, sleeping with the enemy. Like I said, it's she didn't ask for it, but there's no kid involved. No kid, and also the difficulties that was the challenge kind of the whole movie, which was at what point was this guy ever really right. attractive? Consenting adults. Uh, well, that's bad news because there's a kid involved, but no party there is completely innocent. I will say as much as stu- uh, consenting adults felt like this. Oh, I meant raising Kane, but they're basically oh, the same. Uh, in terms of the, yeah, level of threat. Yeah. Um, like, as much as a studio product, uh, consenting adults was when we watched it, we talked about it and like stuff, but like, um, when fear got to that lat, what you were saying, it got devolved into that last like 20 minutes. Um, it did make me long for a consenting adults raising cane. It made me appreciate a level of, non-studio slickness mm-hmm. bonkers. <laughs> right. Just like something going off the rails. I'm basically criticizing fear for being a slick thriller, which is all anybody wants. So I don't know, but like that ending, you know, this is made by like imagine entertainment. It's like Brian Grazer and Ron Howard it felt like if if these yuppie thrillers were always like about like yuppie nightmares were about like oh they like slasher movies they just need to kind of prestige them up like this movie ends like they're in upstairs in a bedroom it's blue tinted yeah. there's somebody invading the house but they do it in the most like I mean a few years before this they're fucking making parenthood like they make pretty safe vanilla movies. And like when this just became the gang descending and the dad and Mark Wahlberg don't even have 
really any dialogue at the end. They just come in and fight. Like, that's when I want to, like, bonkers kind of like, what the, where is this fuck? Or more, I should say, not that, but, like, Cape Fear, where, like, Mm -hmm. that's when the movie should have become most, like, psychologically unhinged, where Mark Wahlberg says the filthiest thing about his daughter that she enjoyed or something. Well, you get a little tease of that when he's looking through the peephole in the door and Mark Wahlberg does that kind of yes. freak out for a second. Yes. And then you think, oh, this is where we're heading because that yeah. was so good. Yeah, but and he doesn't it, really- That's become, kind of the peak of it. Yeah. And then, it, right, it doesn't go full like at the end of Cape Fear, how bonkers he is or yeah. something. But also it just doesn't get into the nitty gritty of like what this movie was about. It's just kind of yeah. like- yeah. Oh, well, that, that's, a gang of guys, like a, a, a more twisted, button-pushing, non-Imagine Entertainment Brian Grazer version of this would be tying up the whole family mm-hmm. and making them watch him, like, kick the shit out of the dad and come on to the mom and get the dad to think the mom likes it. And, like, killing of just, a sacred deer. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the killing the dog is like pretty far that that's extreme when I, I was not expecting yeah that. i didn't remember that and i thought man this movie's it just goes pulls there. its punch psychologically in a yeah. way that the movie like because well, it's so nuanced building up to that and the mom is turning her back when she says you look like a slut like quiet moments like that should then like lead to kind of like devastating moments where you it, know it, it the dad also, and the daughter had 20 minutes to go after they were like he's a bad guy i know i'm sorry dad yeah i'm sorry too and then it was just like waiting around for like the yeah the wet bandits part 2 to show up <laughs> <laughs> the title fear is is appropriate and it works but it is so general yeah uh, again a lot of the titles for these movies i guess just cuz there's so many movies of this ilk that have taken titles that but yeah. fear it I know works. fear. Could it, do you think it was in response to the No Fear shirts? Well, this, that was the original title of this movie. Was No Fear, No Joke. It's in Brantley's notes. And oh, I they, missed those. They, he changed it F. to Fear. Well, Brantley was saying he couldn't find as many notes on this because a fear is such a general term, and there was also that's on my end though. It got pushed down in my inbox. I didn't see it. That's oh, uh, I'm sorry. But to please do tell. Because uh, no, and there is um, thank you, thank you, thank you, Brantley Palmer. Also, I'll use this time to mention uh, uh, Brantley uh, uh, did a great episode about the Hitcher on um, the best little horror house in Philly podcast, uh-huh. which is also great. And I just did an episode, if people want to listen to it, on uh, the best little horror house in Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y, about Psycho. Right. It's a great podcast. Uh, episode was really fun. And they could also listen to Brantley Palmer's uh, as well. That's nice. Yeah. It's that... Um, sorry. Uh, so it was going to be called No Fear, then just this swath non sliver like <laughs> swath of uh, popularity across the. Uh, I don't know if even that was the reason. Um, and Foley had to fight for Mark Wahlberg, who came into audition as just one of the gang guys, one of the dudes. Whoa. Yeah. And he had to threaten to walk. Um, but. Yeah, I heard um, in that bad video 
Michael Jackson wanted to cast Mark Wahlberg, and if they didn't, he was willing to moonwalk. (laughs) So Brantley said he had a hard time because director James Foley is also the name of a reporter who's kidnapped, and that Christopher Crowe, who is the writer, right, is also the name of a religious guy with tons of clips and interviews online. (laughs) So it made it very difficult. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Christianity's God, Christopher. Listen to me, Christopher Crow. Crucifixion. That's not a good car. What's a good Catholicism? Oh, there you go. Catholicism. How long till our pizza gets here? Well, our pizza gets here in five minutes. I think rather than jump in to this beat by beat, should we? Yes. Anything you want to say before we take a pizza break? <laughs> yeah, we'll eat the pizza bite by bite before we come in and do the movie beat by beat. Yeah. Um. Anything? Oh, yeah. Do you just know what? A- Let's do the xenomorphs right now. Hey, that's beautiful. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's real good. Hey, that's real good. Oh, there's not as many as I thought. Okay. Um. Mackenzie Parker says that they're a baby xenomorph and a longtime listener. Upcoming episode on Black Christmas is my most single anticipated podcast episode ever. Uh, okay. Yay. Um, and Ella Naiman, but her friends call her Elkie, and she's a baby xenomorph. Um, this is Kenny Gardner. Uh, wait, what? Can you guys give me a shout out? But also the two sweetest men on the planet from Friday the 13th part three, Shelly from the same movie and the shopkeeper who has a rabbit and fish. <laughs> oh God, this guy's going to shout out, shout out, shout out <laughs> to those other people. That's yeah. funny. Uh, Brandon Ruiz. Um, I just want you from the side of the lawyer. Hey, all right. My little, little <laughs> client, David. But do you think he would be guilty if he tattooed himself with a razor and an ink pen that says Nicole forever? He wouldn't be guilty. I think he'd be charmed. Uh, that's charming to me. Very charming. Um, and... Dirty little Gary, who's just essentially a temptress, making my little David try to kill him. He couldn't help him. He forced him to do it. Poor Gary. Gary is like the Ben Tramer of. He is. Of, He's getting the shit kicked out of him left and right. Yeah. Oh, Shannon Kelly, baby xenomorph, wants a new no no. Oh, uh, Shannon Kelly? Yeah. You said? Um, no, no, no. Um, uh, Shannon Kelly is the only Shannon I know. No, no, no. <laughs> Get out of here, Del Shannon. <laughs> yeah, you're a true run, run, run away. Out of here. I don't know if you even send that. <laughs> okay. And finally, E. Eric Hans Volk would like a shout out by H.R. Giger. Hi, baby Xenomorph. So appropriate. Finally, I'm the only one who should truly be giving these shout outs because a baby Xenomorph come out of me. That's right. Both um, artistically, physically. Physically? Yes. How? That's how I came up with the idea because I had one happen. 
Interesting. Some doctors call it a tapeworm. Ooh. But I call it as a, a gazinomorph. Hmm. An exinomorph. Morp. 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 Yeah. Okay, I have to run. I've got the trial. I like HR. You do sound like a party giger, actually. Yeah, you're I'm, like you're having a. Recently, I'm teen giger. This has come up before, where I died in real life, but then because of the Genesis Project, am being okay. reborn like teen Spock. Yes. So I'm in my teen years. Hey, so cool! Go. I can tell your hair's a little longer. And, yeah, you know. hot topic, man. Bye. Bye, HR giger. As a teenager. Um, all right. How's that pizza coming? Uh, it's just uh, a few minutes away, so uh, we can end on this. That way we can jump right into Logo Loco when we come back. Oh, yeah. One thing I wanted to point out, Matthew. Yes. Um, this came out kind of during a cycle of movies like The Crush with Alicia Silverstone yeah. and Poison Ivy with right. Drew Barrymore. Right. Um, where... Uh, teenage sexuality or whatever is kind of this like threat um, in a thriller. Um, one thing I've been thinking about, it was like about a year ago, but I read less than zero. Mm. And what I read about was that was different than any other literature that was kind of geared towards young adults, people in high school, college age. The stories like even movies, Rebel Without a Cause or Breakfast Club, it was always... The kids are always right. The parents are always wrong. Uh-huh. Less than zero, he was like, the appeal was the kids are just as fucked up as the parents. Uh-huh. And for somebody reading that, it made it tantalizing, but also, I don't know why people read books. It's reassuring to be like, oh, okay, I don't have to be, you know, because uh, it's almost like the reverse of uh, Catcher in the Rye. Um, it's about a guy going back at home on Christmas break. and yeah. But, um, but, this was also like a couple years after kids. Something I think happened post less than zero, post John Hughes, uh-huh. where the kids started getting kind of scuffed up. Maybe they're just like grown up versions of Damien and Ragged uh-huh. or something. Uh-huh. But like yeah. kids was like a seminal, like the kids are fucked up. I never saw that movie. Um, I it's think good. I was, yeah. I had just heard too many. Like I was probably too scared. It's a little extreme. Yeah, oh, good at that should be more uh, uh, on uh, ESPN X Sports. It's so extreme. <sighs> Existence. Well, the pizza's here. Okay, we'll be back, everybody. Bye. Bye. With Molly and Rust. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. With Too much pizza. <laughs> oh, the pizzeria. Uh, the pizzeria. Oh, I'm full of it. That's <sighs> uh, good though. It's, never, uh, it's nice in my tummy. <sighs> yes, it is nice in my tummy. <laughs> We're also having a pumpkin spidey. Yeah, delicious uh, little pumpkin, a uh, pumpy spidey. Oh, should we get into this? Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, hey. Logo Loco, we got that universal logo. Pretty somber one. I know, that music that's playing over uh, composer Carter Burwell, uh, who uh, does most, uh, maybe most known for uh, working with the Coen brothers. I like Carter Burwell a lot. Me too. And I, I, I'm probably reading this into it, I'll mm-hmm. admit it. No. But at one point, David says, we have all the time in the world. And he, there were a couple of elements of the score that start very similar to the orchestral version of that from the James Bond movies. And then I started listening to the score and it's kind of minor key and it, it's got a sort of almost David Arnold composer bond era. The score. end of the movie, uh, there was a moment where I was like, this feels like a bond movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, you can kind of even Skyfall. notice the tonal, uh, yeah, you, you can notice the tonal shift in the font of the opening credits, which is that grungy, broken yeah. typewriter 90s font. Yeah. And then by the end, and by that point now, the movie's become kind of an action movie. I didn't right. like that last time. And the, the credits then are like that speed to cruise control, <laughs> yeah. italicized font. Yeah. It's like even the font was like, oh shit, the movie changed. We can't do this kind of like grungy, cool uh, yeah. horror uh, thriller movie. Um, yeah, but I think like Carter Burwell, like uh, just with his music, you know, playing over the logo there but throughout the movie um he definitely makes the movie uh um feel deeper in that like uh like that sex scene uh when she's losing her virginity he's playing like somber kind of like vaguely threatening it's appropriate yeah miller's crossing fargo type music that's really cool i love it yeah um so then uh just as they Go through the credits. Um, uh, we have uh, uh, Vancouver standing in for Seattle. Um, I did think if C- if Chicago was the city for the 80s mm-hmm. and 80s teenager stories. Yeah. Maybe for other things, but Seattle was like the 90s city. For sure. Yeah. And they're revisiting it from, yeah, the Hand of the Rock's Cradle and stuff. Um, singles. Uh, but there's also singles, I think, is a, is a real uh, Seattle thing. Because I was going to say the the thing I was just about to say now is like, uh, I like that little like trickery. Well, shoot in Vancouver and uh, hey, 30 minutes away, that city in America looks kind of like us. Yeah. A little bit of B-roll with that Space Needle. (laughs) I still can't tell the Seattle Space Needle from the Toronto, whatever that thing is in Toronto. So when they kept saying, like, I'm going to Vancouver, I was like, well, he's not in Toronto, right? there. Yeah. What's that needle? Yeah. What needle is it? Yeah. Declare your needle. 
Uh, people think that Neil Young's song, The Needle and the Damage Done, is about heroin, but it's actually about the confusion over which space needle or Thank the Thank you. Yeah. Finally. No, I, it's a thing that I think has been uh, swept the nation in. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then... So the the locale here, the house is it's different than anyone we've seen before, but a bit of a combo. Mm-hmm. You said it would be the house you'd most want to live in. Yeah, if I'm, yeah, I stand by it. What if you had that outdoor cot, that little cottage in the woods, though, in Fatal Attraction? I know that'd be my runner up. But if you could only have one home, having it on the rocks there. Be tough to beat because that's my climate, man. You get the ocean and you get that mm. kind of brisk, mm-hmm. moody weather. That's that's just in my blood. I love Southern California. I live here because my family and my work mm-hmm. is here. But climate wise, that's where I want to be. Yeah, like with Vertigo or like the Dirty Harry movies, uh-huh. San Francisco. That that is Zodiac. Those are much better for like thrillers. View to a kill. Yes. <laughs> I'd rather see James Bond, yeah, having a climax uh, or uh, having a climax. <laughs> oh, you do. Uh, uh, and it's in Diamonds Are Forever. It's true. There's a scene where Pierce Brosnan, they're clearly. Wait, Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, sorry. Di- good catch. Die Another Day. Oh, but it's funny that you said that there was uh, an ejaculate scene in a movie called Diamonds Are Forever. Why? Long, ropey streams. Well, oh, like a diamond necklace? Like a pearl necklace? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what they meant. I was just being well, <laughs> By the way, episode eight of this franchise, Dirty Boy. I never said there was an ejaculate scene. <laughs> no, but you said, no, 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 no. You said in a scene somebody does. You see his face when he's clearly climaxing and it is, it is like. Die another day. Okay. It is definitely the point where you go. Oh, well, they say an orgasm is a little death. That's right. So die that's another true. day is the orgasm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, well, just that that Bond movies, you should always go up to the line, but never cross it because the last thing you want to see is your James Bond's O face, especially <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, who does all his acting through his like his hurt acting through his face, and yeah, of all the Bonds, that's yeah. the last one's O face, and he's making see. that. That kind of they noise should that not took show like that. That's first of all, they should never show it in any movie ever. No. It's just not a thing no. anybody's curious about. Unless it's supposed to be like you're seeing a depraved kind of moment or yeah, something. Yeah, they want to show somebody's a psychotic. Although I will say in this roller coaster scene, they handle that very tastefully too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. they cut away enough. Yeah. And it wasn't explicit. Her just head was right. back. It wasn't some like director fetish thing, yeah. you know? I mean, it could be. There's so many points in the movie where it could be, uh, yeah, laughable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you explained it to somebody, oh, she has a climax as they're going over the top of the roller coaster. It's too You'd much. Be like, it's that too is too nose. much. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is the daddy's girl jewelry that he steals right before. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, he takes her virginity. It was also like a thing of like, hey, if this movie wasn't so good, and I, yeah, I would be like, God, come on. Come with me to the carnival going on the finger banger. I love when he's getting first introduced and he is like, whatever, a proto James Dean of his kind, just kind of this like mysterious, uh, slightly mumbly, you know, uh, 
he's dropping his R's left oh, and yeah. right in this Seattle town that presumably he's lived his whole life in. Well, they they almost had to write that he went from foster care to foster care. Oh, okay. Like he's hopped across the country. That's how bad he was. But when he's introduced to the family, the amount, the level they take him to super boyfriend is incredible. Like, I, I just it. happened to have worked in a nursery. It's my favorite thing. I know. I was ever. eating it up too. It's also such a funny, it could just be like a dark comedy version of like, what about Bob? Where yeah. instead of it's your patient, it's your girlfriend's boyfriend that the whole family loves and you hate. You're like, yeah. why, what is it about this guy that everybody loves? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's why him. <laughs> Remember why him? No. Why him? No. What if I would have thought if maybe I delivered it differently? <laughs> Imagine Brian Cranston seeing James Franco and going, "Why him?" Are those the act? Those are the actors. Yeah. Oh my gosh, my daughter is oh. getting engaged to James Franco. And the only thing I can ask is, "Why him?" I mean, I think. You'd probably see that and go, yeah, okay, I understand. That's what was so funny about the movie. He's like very, he's like a rich artist, eccentric dude who his daughter's in love with. Why him? Uh, I don't know. It seems like he's handsome, successful, and he sort of loves them. uh, uh, You grown a little bit? I imagine you much smaller. Your sister imagine that's good, bigger than I remembered. I can't really do a Boston accent, but just I'm just trying to remember these lines. He's kind of like, yeah, she's kind of yeah. I missed it. I missed it. Now. I think this is like, uh, it's right before Boogie Nights. So it is like mm. a near breakthrough For sure. performance. Uh, and it was after Basketball Diaries. Okay. Um, so he was definitely like carving work where he's not just like doing Calvin Klein underwear model. Like, yeah. oh, he's the heartthrob in a romantic comedy who the woman has sex with in the first scene and you don't see him for the rest. Like he's doing, seems to be taking, but, um, uh, uh, so that's all this, but like, uh, and it works. It's charming. Cause he seems like a soft spoken, like bad boy, but like, and I don't want Kevin Klein in this role. <laughs> I don't like a theatrically trained guy, but I will know. I think when an actor isn't trained, they go quiet because it's sort of like they're a little nervous yeah, to be they're hesitant, tentative, fully actor. Yeah. Uh, which he obviously got over, you know, and the departed. He's just like owns scene. He mops the floor with like yeah. huge actors. But just like in this, he's like, uh, uh, Mark, could you actually talk a little? I think I would be actually I quiet. I was being pretty loud there. <laughs> yeah. You might want to all the tape again. Yeah, run it back a little bit. Just run it back a little uh, It begs the question. It's the age-old question. The Mona Lisa of Mark Wahlberg. Is he a good actor or how much is he in on it? Because he's always good. Well, but- if being in or- on it means how to what extent is he controlling it? And thinking about like the character and the performance yeah. he's trying to give. Like, I would say it's probably at the level of any famous dumb actor. Where it's like, I did research 
for a day about yeah. obsessive guys. I thought they were weird. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not like he, speaking of Travis Bickle, he's yeah. never going to go to those depths. But like, I guess he's savvy enough to know to do movies with like David O. Russell and Jonathan Demme and I th- Paul yeah, Thomas I, Anderson. I think like, I think he is. Or even Adam McKay, if he's doing a comedy, like. I think he's good. And I think he's somehow tapped into stripping everything. I think he is himself. He plays himself. Mm-hmm. He comes off a certain way. But I, I, in the end, it's like a close call, but I think he's aware. He's not an unself-aware yeah. actor. I think he just is what he is, and it's really good for the roles he plays. Yeah, that sort of thing of like what you're saying of like the person is basically themselves, and then they're like, you know, Matt Damon, whatever his uh, je ne sais quoi is, he always plays liars. Tom Cruise, whatever his je ne sais quoi is, is he's always the best in his profession. Yes, every movie. that's for sure. Um, and Leonardo DiCaprio, I would say his niche or whatever that captures him best and the times is like powerful people going mad. Yeah. But didn't Mark Wahlberg kill somebody once or something. <laughs> well, I'm trying to just like think like what is Mark Wahlberg's thing? What's his character that he is himself, but he's also getting cast to these guys. Like it's not, not like in Boogie Nights, it's like, Oh, a really charming naivete, but that's not like what fear is. Fear no, is like, he's like, a, he plays bad wolf wounded bird with a like a vulture inside of it like a rage vulture but am i wrong didn't he oh, yeah. kill somebody's time or something he <laughs> blinded uh yeah he attacked and blinded uh a man when he was a teenager Ooh. i think that man's forgiven him now and stuff but it is uh it's ugly it's yeah uh, it's, yeah it's, and now he's making a sequel to father stew hmm <laughs> Father Stew. I'd love a Father, Father Stew. Father Stew, too. Meat and potatoes. <laughs> Is he making a... Meat and M-E-E-T-I-N apostrophe. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, I Yeah. I like him. I, in dramas, I'm compelled to hit by him. And in comedies, like, he's really funny in I Heart Huckabees, but... He couldn't be better in Boogie Nights. Like, it couldn't... Yeah. Have, it's, well, you know, it was originally supposed to be Leonardo DiCaprio and then I wouldn't have worked Titanic. like this, I don't think. I think there's something perfect. And that's the crazy thing is that I don't love Mark Wahlberg, but every yeah. time I see him, he's I think the so character great. would have like somehow, because I feel like just because the filmmaking is so good, it found a way to adapt to make Mark Wahlberg work. But there's something about like that Dirk Diggler character that's about ambition. Yeah. That if it had been DiCaprio, I could have seen that. Like, oh, this is about Mm. somebody who wants to be a superstar, gets it, and then kind of unravels from it. Like, you could see how that would fit in his. But I agree. Dirk Diggler is always going to be Mark Wahlberg. DiCaprio's Um, never quite done it for me. The what? DiCaprio's never quite worked for me. I, I don't know what it is. It's like, I know he's talented and all, but I liked him in... Once upon a time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. but to hear that he was originally going to play Hans Landa in Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. blows my mind. 
And it's not just because Christoph Holtz was so unbelievably good in that movie and perfect. Yeah, he's just you think but, like could would he have a German accent? Or I know. Just, I mean, yeah. I, I no, guess I mean, it would be different. It would be to, like a dashing version of this, like you know. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that me. is. I'm a, allergic to him. But to, <laughs> but to imagine him in the uh, real because I think we talked about it, but you know how yeah so he was supposed to be in Boogie Nights but you know the end scene in Boogie Nights is so and on the waterfront Marlon Brando does the um, I could have been a contender speech then in Raging Bull about 20 years later Robert De Niro the person who's everybody is seen as like carrying the torch of the method actor mm-hmm. he does this kind of cool thing at the end of Raging Bull he sits down warming up to do a show and he's looking in the mirror and he does the on the waterfront model. You're like, wow, this is spinning more plates of like, now they're identifying Marlon Brando's here and he's playing. And then Boogie Nights, you know, was written for Leonardo DiCaprio. He had played Robert De Niro's son in this boy's life. By that point, I remember even before Titanic, people were like Leonardo DiCaprio because River Phoenix died. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio is whatever Robert De Niro and Marlon Brando were to their generation. Like the actor to watch because he's got the goods. It would have just been wild, especially mm. since he ended up doing all these movies with Scorsese, like doing the De Niro Raging Bull. But if he had done, because that end of Boogie Nights is yeah. the reference to Raging Bull, the reference to On the Waterfront, if you would have had that succession of Mm. Brando, De Niro, DiCaprio, eh, it would have been pretty Mm. wild. But that setting that aside, it's just not as, uh, you know. Yeah. Brando, uh, De Niro, Wahlberg doesn't have as much of a ring to it. But that could have been good, you know. Same with DiCaprio for me, though. I don't think he's bad. I just can't get past him. Once he became funny... Like in The Wolf of Wall Street, I was, I already liked him, but I was fully on board then once he started being funny. I think I like him more when he's funny. Yeah. I have trouble separating the guy from the movie when I'm watching it. I'm never taken in by his characters. I'm more watching him. And that's my Redford problem. I can never get over, like, yeah. uh, I don't have it with DiCaprio, but I, I know what you're saying. This sort of like, same with Bob. Pretty Cat boy Goldthwait. doing acting. Okay, yeah. let's see what this is about. Yeah. yeah. But what were you saying? Same with Bobcat Goldthwait. I can't get past him. <laughs> yeah, and Hot to Trot, <laughs> you stood up 20 minutes into the movie and said- um, Don't get me started on Shakes the Clown. I was out in four minutes. <laughs> um, early on, the yes. f- first scene, the kid blows a dog whistle and the dog comes running in. This is like the volcano- and sliver i'm like that's clearly a plot device that's going to be used yeah. later it, it doesn't it seem like a weird thing to oh have and it? it didn't that's what i was saying like yeah. it was weird when i saw it too i was like only reason you have a dog whistle i mean it's a literal like dog whistle yeah. like it's yeah. putting it out there to be right. like hey this is going to pay it off later i did think this they could have used the dog whistle they didn't need to, I guess. And that's what, if what they made did it so cool. The, the dog corpse without the headless dog just came running. <laughs> a dog can be alive for 30 seconds after decapitation and still here. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, um, the, uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, interesting. The, um, because uh, that was also very like Fatal Attraction, Pet Rabbit, yeah, scene. Um, the, uh, the 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 da, da, da. yeah the um they mention an Uzi too. They're like real Kevin Spacey's having a garage sale. <laughs> Sold an Uzi. I bought a motorcycle and an Uzi from that guy. Um, and this is like a contemporary family. She's got a kid from a previous marriage and his daughter. Yes. Very 90s. Yes. <laughs> uh, the um, Alyssa Milano uh, is uh, 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 her plays her friend, Margo, who's uh-huh. like the f- naughty friend. Yes. Um, Alyssa Milano uh in an episode of who's the boss taught me what a hickey was she had a hickey mm. and then for the next few days i was just talking about hickeys and one of my earliest memories is my mom being like you can't stop talking about hickeys. <laughs> you must really like mask <laughs> you must really like hickeys um also um you know this movie's about bad boys the appeal of bad boys and how of course they'd be the most intoxicating thing if your parents hate them yeah it's like two birds and you know. yeah this is how when i look back on it how fundamentally i was not a bad boy i would goof off and that's its own kind of subversiveness yeah. but not bad boy okay I don't even remember this being egregious. The way I found out it was egregious was through like a game of I'm telephone so through my friends when it came back to me. So, <laughs> you know, I'm driving with some friends in a car in high school, my like senior year. There's a girl in the car who I like. And we parked the car and there's a song on and I want to fish and finish listening to the song. So the girl I like and my friend, um, we listen to the rest of the song. We get out. Apparently, I remarked, I made a remark to her that I said, and I had already forgotten five minutes later. It was only I found out later because the friend who witnessed what I had said to her told our friend, our female friend, who, you know, was, we were crushing on her. She's just our female friend. And she came back to me and she was like, did you say this? To what your, was it? Which was, we the song finishes, we get out of the car, we're walking out of my car to the her house. And I go, or to Zoe's house, and I go, thanks for staying and listening to the song with me. <laughs> What song was it? I don't know. It's just, <laughs> can you imagine oh. a less sexual creature to be around than somebody goes like, oh, you stayed with me. Oh, at least you were a youth. I had something similar and it was like 12 years ago. It was a girl I briefly dated before I met Amanda. Mm-hmm. And we went on a date, we went to dinner and we got out, we were walking to the car and I just went, so what's your favorite movie? (laughs) And she looked at me like, what are you, 12? And I I remember her looking at me like that and I actually got a little indignant inside. I didn't say anything, but I kind of went, 
no, I actually am interested. Who cares? I don't care if this is like a lame cliche question. And this would go be, you know, like go on. I'm vindicated by the fact that I'm doing a film podcast now. So I'm clearly the evidence is there. I'm interested yes, in movies. Yes, it's yes. not, it's not just a small it's a terrific talk icebreaker. I want to know your real favorite movie yeah, lady. You're talking about art and somebody's interest at the same time. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I, she kind of scoffed at me, like, uh, no, nope, and gave me, like also that. gave me that thing too of like, you can't just pick a favorite. No, nobody has a favorite movie, which I do understand that sentiment, but also yeah. just answer the question. The razor's edge of things having to feel spontaneous versus the preordainedness of what dating already is, why we're all here, yeah. the, 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 the fakeness of trying to make it feel spontaneous. That question is going to come up at some point. Also, in the she day. wasn't saying anything. It was right. dead air. Right, I was just right, trying right. to fill the air with a question uh, that I'm genuinely, to this day, I still don't know what yeah, her favorite movie was. I'd like to know. Who knows? It could have been uh, The Brood. Oh, like, oh exactly. my gosh, will you marry me? Yes. We wouldn't have wanted that because then we wouldn't have had an Amanda. Anyway. That's right. Uh, uh, th- that kind of um, razor's edge of um, spontaneous versus pre-plannedness, sweatiness, mm-hmm. and the razor's edge of how invested verse to seem into it versus not so invested that it is desperate, right? Those two push and pulls that would go on in my mind, and then also the push and pull of after a date, is there going to be a second date? Okay, is there going to be third? Where is this going? Blah, blah, blah. Makes me so yeah. relieved. I am telling you that that is in my rear view mirror. Oh, same, same. I'm now 10 years outside of that, and I look back on it as my most anxiety ridden moments in my life more than career or friends or issues with family was always, will this person like me back? And how can I continue to get this feeling? I like, Oh Jesus Christ. (laughs) I mean, marriage, it's like awesome because it's like about the upkeep of that. It's not just saying like, Oh, then you have it. It is about like, Hey, we're working. We're still working to get this. I'm not just saying it's like, a foregone conclusion. It's just right. like the fact that it becomes this, like it's what was awesome about fear. Honestly, the, I love you's never being met with an, I love you too. Yeah. And I was like that not, I'm not have a dark view of like high school dating. I love the person I was in, but in retrospect, those, I love you's even before marriage dating, those initial, I love you's become these kind of like half, weapons yeah. half dropping of weapon it's such a crate and oh, then it's a dropping of weapon and it's also a like power move but also a like um i'm only doing this with the understanding that you're gonna do this back yep and if you don't yep it's, like that's somehow an affront yeah i was so quick i love to the say movement i love you what's I that was, i was so quick to say i love yeah, you when i was too. in high school yeah. oh my god yeah. apologize carla freeman was she the first person you said i love you to Probably or was the, the first no, person you I felt think, like it was too soon? It was the first person I think I might have scared them off a little bit, you know? <laughs> Even though I ended the relationship and it was clearly because I... Felt like you showed your cards. <laughs> uh, just like I was like, I'm never going to survive this. <laughs> She's, she was too experienced and too... 
just out of my league. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, um, the, yeah, the, the dovetailing to what we were talking about also just with like the passion and feelings that are powering this movie and also the characters and stuff. Like, um, the fact that it is the first time you experience love is not just a drug of its sort that feels good. For sure, yeah. It is literally the chemical in your body why existence continues. Like human yes. existence continues. So the fact that you're 14 fighting off that particular feeling, which is also to create, it's not even to destroy. Millions of years of evolution is controlling you and you don't even To be know like, it. I'll put condoms on when I finger banger. <laughs> Like, what should I do to make sure, like, it becomes such an abstract concept then? Wait, so is that going on your fingers or? Yes. <laughs> I'm saying that's like the level that safe sex became in the 90s to be for fair, kids. you the... ejaculate out your fingers. Yeah, like E.T., but. <laughs> <laughs> like Spider-Man. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, so. The, the I love the first sign that the dad sees that this guy might not be the perfect boy is give me a Coke. Oh, I know. It's the guy who uh, honks the horn outside yeah. in the car to have the girl come out. That's one of the eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. You uh, don't do that. Yeah. Um, no, I like that. And But then in the same scene, it was awesome. They even the scales, which is like what I love about a good thriller. Yeah. And they get both a little scuffed up. Then Wahlberg's like, no, I got on you. You were checking out Alyssa yeah, Milano. Yeah. And uh, then we come to find out that David is a clock master. He, he just... Oh, not since Gremlins have I seen... <laughs> Number three. The third. Oh, my God. Candyman's going to appear. As a gremlin. <laughs> uh, not, uh, uh, has there been such clock trickery by the villain? No, Twice this guy. My question is, did he just do that? I know he did her watch. That makes yeah. sense. He just do his office. Clock? No, I like to imagine after you did the office that he went and like to every room. But then just didn't get his watch. <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah. And poor Eddie, man. Eddie's really getting the the raw end of the deal. His partner. At the oh, Eddie, all yeah. Like, well, and I love that we had our second FedEx mishap. Yeah, that's right. You'll drop off oh. the FedEx, right, honey? Almost and, and the rocks to cradle. Yes. Almost qualifying for a trope in these movies because this hits the nopey. Essentially, the scrappy. He does a little investigative work mm -hmm. on him. Mm -hmm. um, there's a mixer. I didn't see any glass blocks, though. No glass, glass blocks. Bricks. Hey, we're in 1996. Yeah. Glass blocks have Day been replaced a. by wood. Yeah, I guess like stickly mission arts and crafts <laughs> furniture and stuff. Um, the uh, um, I yeah, and I like the world they kind of live in with the um. Alyssa Milano's mom and like latchkey type of like there's food in the fridge and money yeah. on the counter. I'll be with my new boyfriend in yeah. Mexico or yeah. Uh, the um, uh, it is funny though that what is dangerous for going to a a pool club where people can smoke inside, like a pool hall. Yeah, and then her and their boyfriends are like from singles. Yeah. Um, craft singles <laughs> oh she was born in 1985 she's like I was six dad 
Uh, she was born in 1979, uh, the same age as uh, my wife, uh, who loves this movie. So I think it was also yeah. probably for her, like, oh my god, this is like the most exciting movie in the world to right. see this how much scenario older play out. Than her is he? He's probably like 19, maybe. Yeah, because it's funny when he just like shows up at her high school, like a true older boyfriend creep yeah. does, like at her cafeteria. Because he's not probably close to my age in this movie. Oh, yeah. When is... Um, well, I'd be a little older. I would guess Reese Witherspoon is probably older, too, than Born in 79. I bet she's like a yeah. 75-er. But I mean, just the character. <laughs> I was 23 in oh. 96, so he's probably 19 or 20 in this. Would you have dated a 16-year-old high school girl <laughs> if her dad was William Peterson? That's why. Just to get closer to William Peterson. I, I loved you in Young Guns, too. <laughs> I like that there was a part where he's on the phone and he's getting mad with the cops. He's like, can you connect me with the people who solve murders? Let <laughs> me mm, see us. I see it. I don't know why. Popeyes. But, why don't you call mm, one of your own spinoffs? Yeah. Call your spinoff. Mm. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, then she goes out and we escalate things from pool hall to rave. 90s rave man did you ever get step foot in a rave uh, no for some reason i knew you were gonna ask that and before i even <laughs> knew you're gonna ask that i knew that i never have never did never will go to a rave <laughs> this is like what i was like where were you when Nevermind came out what was it like to go to a rave huh. i would get all these questions too where i would be like uh i was at home thinking yeah. about gremlins <laughs> four that's four. Oh my God, one more and it's going to appear with a hook on its hand. Uh, yeah, I've never been to a rave. No. Um, they're, that, I, they, they're almost mythical. Yeah. Because I think what what a rave you see in a movie isn't quite what a real rave is. Mm -hmm. But that had to come from somewhere. So yes, that exists. But mm -hmm. the warehouse rave... It's it's a more of a unicorn than I think people think. It's a little like too, I know, but no, it is. It's but a I, little I mean, too cinematic to uh, the way it's presented. I'm sure it's a little like slipshod. Um, I went as a raver dad this Halloween. I know that's awesome. And, uh, raver dad. When I was there, when I wore it, I got a couple raver stories from people of people who had gone to raves because. Really? Uh, because raves just became Burning Man, right? That's that's one begat the other. Maybe. I think Raves, though, might have had a little bit more Manchester. Oh, interesting. And See, whereas that, Burning Man's yeah. maybe a little bit more like West Coast hippie. Huh. Um, yeah. But no, that's not to say one. Well, I'm I guess sure I'm raves thinking American Raves yeah. became Burning Man. But yeah. yeah. Um, no, see, any you put British on anything, even a rave, and suddenly I'm interested. <laughs> a UK rave. Because uh, I remember I with was- With DJ Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> An opening act, Butterball, who's the most nefarious member of Pinhead's court. <laughs> I was in Edinburgh, Scotland, in London in the late 90s when Oasis was huge, mid to late 90s. Damn. And I remember walking, it was actually after like Morning Glory had come out, mm -hmm. but far enough out that it should have died down and walking through the streets at like, and people were just like singing together in the streets, Oasis. And it was amazing. God damn, that is awesome. Because they make, they wrote anthems. 
They did, and so I, of course was, people I was I was like and remain the... a huge Oasis fan. Yeah, I like Oasis too. That documentary about Oasis is like the best rock documentary I've it's watched really in probably good. like twenty years. Yeah. I really liked it. Uh, I think Wonderwall is maybe one of my favorite songs of all time. It's a great song. You know, re-listening to their records. They got painted with such a Beatles brush. These guys are, you know, they did it themselves. Yeah, they painted themselves. They're total grunge records. No, they're nothing like the Beatles. They sound like, like more Sonic Youth and Nirvana than yeah, Beatles. and a little more mainstream, a little bit more accessible. Yeah. But the only Beatles thing about them, it's not their musicianship. It's not their, like, music writing. It's the lyrics... Like they're purposefully obfuscated lyrics, but yeah. also their vibe is more Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. And the lyrics are like even admittedly underdeveloped to the point of being enigmatic. And I think that's where they're like riding on the coattails of the Beatles. Cause I watched a bunch of stuff on the, what was it? I guess like the 30th anniversary uh-huh. of What's the Story Morning Glory, Glory. And if you listen to almost every song on that album, every song just repeats the whole song twice lyrically so like the verses even repeats yes. not just the chorus and it's because um noel gallagher would say like i just i went in there i had nothing i know to I, say. Re- I remember I, reading an article when morning glory came out and they pointed out a lyric and he said i'm not john lennon okay and the line <laughs> was and i know it because when i hear it in the song i um and there's itching in the kitchen uh, and the doggy has been itching. It's just like yeah. the worst. And then the yeah. fact that he sings it twice. Yeah. Everything on that album repeats. Uh, I like She's Electric, though. She's and, electric. She's in family. Uh, I mean, the whole, all of it, all of it. And I loved it because that was the last time for me, the mm-hmm. only time where... All the kids in school, in high school, everybody is liking something I love or whatever. It was just like exciting. Yeah. Like people who not n- normally listen to alternative rock were buying Oasis and like cranking it in their cars. It was just an exciting oh, It so holds up. That second album, goddamn. Yeah, I love that. As you face the sunny cast, no oh, shit. Yeah, 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 baby. Yeah. But that third record's pretty abysmal, huh? Yeah, although I'll go to bat for one or two songs on that. Which ones, brother? Um, Let's hear them. Don't go away. Say what you say. That's where I learned yeah. the F major seven chord, which hey. I use more than any other chord. And even that first song with the longest intro ever build. Um, uh, what for is, all around the world, is that yeah, what it is? Uh, it's like, beep, whoop, yeah. Whoop, yeah. Just a bunch of reverse vocals. Um and that was the one where they had like they entered nebworth by helicopter and um how's that song go what is that one which one that from, opening song we're the one we're talking about from the third album yeah uh 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 oh, oh. oh god be here now but that's the album yeah uh, and the album cover was so Beatles. Do you remember? Yes. It's a swimming pool full of like a car. And do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, All my people right here, right now. You know what I mean? All right, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, that's good. Um, Slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. 
slowly faster. What, what are these guys, guys are conjuring? What are they smoking? Oh my god. Oh, speaking of smoking to get back. Okay, how did I think the dog whistle was a plot device, but just let the peace pipe go when that got introduced. I did remark like who chooses a peace pipe and not. Yes. The peace pipe toy that is bought by the prize that is won at the carnival after the chosen, not one chosen. It's one and chosen. He could have chosen a stuffed animal, but he gives her a peace pipe. Uh, now this is what I'm going to do. One of my great too big of a leaps. Now, that scene goes, they're on a roller coaster. The finger banger. The finger banger. What's right after the finger banging scene? Literally, the next scene is her pulling this big phallic, like, prize, and him, like, giving it to her. Like, being like, you got my finger on the roller coaster, here's this, next will be my penis. You think, wow. Well, the reason I think this is because the way a girl kills a villain a lot of times it becomes this phallic thing, right? Like right. when Lori's killing Michael, it's yeah. like, oh, she hasn't had sex. She's, mm, you know. Right. So she kills him with that peace pipe at the yeah. end. The little like phallic sim thing that he gave her after he finger banged her is the exact tool she uses to like penetrate Okay, I'm him. on board with this. Now see, this. I'm not trying to, I don't want this to seem like I'm throwing De Palma back in your face, but wouldn't you rather like this seems a little more <laughs> nuanced and subtle to me than <laughs> than a sundial? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sundial is pretty good, huh? <laughs> oh, yup, I think you're right. I didn't catch that though. Uh, but it is. Uh, she doesn't get the kill though. The dad gets that, which I felt was a little. Yeah. I'm with you. I I thought like she deserved it and she should get it. His reaction when he gets stabbed. Those cheeks blowing like Louis Armstrong style. Uh, well, like, we have all the time in the world. It's all there. <laughs> Gremlins, Candyman. It's all Witherspoon. You know that when he says the all, we have all the time in the world and he puts the clock backwards. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, my mom was my high school teacher. Yes. Uh, so, I, you know, you'd go to a pep assembly in the, gar- uh, in the, in the gym and four rows over is m- my mom with her students. And a guy came and spoke at this motiv- – like he was like a motivational teen speaker or something. And he told this story that he was like – he was trying to do some Seinfeld for the teens kind of thing where he's like, now how many of you guys, you stay out a little past curfew – Maybe I've been making out or something like that. And then he was like, what do you always say when you come home? We fell asleep. Uh, and everybody's like, okay, oh. we've done that. I glance at, I've used that before with my mom a few times where I'd come home and I'd be like, oh, we fell asleep watching a movie. Uh, then I woke up uh, and my mom would go, oh, okay, okay. But when that motivational speaker said that, I looked over at my mom and she was nodding and laughing. Like, uh, I've heard that one before. Oh, I thought she was going to turn to you with these like scowl, like, <gasps> like Mark Wahlberg learn? looking at uh, <laughs> William Peterson eyes while he kisses his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like just, there was a little bit of moment. I love when scenes start mid conversation and you hear Reese Witherspoon saying, yeah, and I think she's going to get a chain through it. Like, oh, I know. Talking about navel piercing. They don't say navel piercing, but no. that clearly was a... Uh, uh, um, Poor Gary, man. Gary, he gets the short end. Um, the uh, um, 
yes, then he meets the dad. He ingratiates himself. That to me felt like the, you know, this movie was always good, pretty good at like going ahead of the curve of expectations. Like that was like Alex showing up in the apartment and Fatal Attraction yeah. for me. It was like, oh, they're accelerating this faster. And even then the move when he beat up the guy, I was like, oh, why are they making him be such a bad guy right after they yeah. have sex? But then I realized it so that they could make it more complicated that she would go back to him. At right. first I was like, eh, they should have made a guy like, he had a reasonable response to somebody threatening her. Yeah. And he just goes too far and she's like, mm red flag. But the fact that this was, hey, we know that this guy's a red flag. We're not going to leave the characters in the dark about it. Yeah. It'll be clear right now after they have sex, which also, I guess, emotionally makes sense. you know. And then, whatever. Then uh, it becomes about the fight is between the dad and the daughter, whether he should be with this creep, not when are they going to figure out that this guy's a creep? Yeah. So, I think I like it worked that well. Too. Yeah. She gets a black eye and this is an interesting time in cinema and television because prior to this, and I can't remember where the cutoff date is. Maybe, you know, mm -hmm. if somebody got a black eye, let's say mid to early eighties and before hundred percent of the time, they'd pull a cold steak out of the freezer and put it on their eye. <laughs> This is obviously post that, but there was a moment when she got it where I thought the stepmom was going to go get a steak out of the uh, freezer. <laughs> that is such an astute observation. And I wonder if it um, has to do with um, when America stopped being into red meat. Yeah, it might have been. But what a weird thing. And especially if you saw that today, you would go, what the fuck? And you know, sometimes it's a bag of frozen peas. Yes. But often it was just a, a raw open yeah. steak that people would put on their face. I love that in an old movie, like splat. Yeah. I also love the old timey crinkly uh, bag with ice in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. We had one of those. Yeah. Uh, that feels uh, good. Yeah. What, what were they? They what was just called like an ice. Uh, you probably, excuse me, have Glenn stuff with the uh, ice for teething. Yeah. The little pops, yep. the ice pops. Yeah. Water, cold water bag. What was that? Not to be confused with a hot water, hot water bottle, bag. which is another weird thing. I know, a that thing that looks bottle. like a little bladder. Yeah, and you put it in your bed? That I never – we had, but I never used one. I never – I guess because we had a heating pad by that point. Yeah, but just like, I want to have some hot water next to me. Yeah, it's something that looks like oh, like a really like um, dark – depths of the sea kind of creature that yeah the color of it was like the color of your body parts yeah, yeah. it was like weird <laughs> yeah, give me a steak give me a steak give me a steak hey please give me a hot water bottle of steak and a bag of frozen peas um i liked also that um you know uh, uh, uh mark Wahlberg was known for the calvin klein yeah in his underwear showing his body off Famous, muscular body. Uh, this movie is ingenious, I think. Uh, well, also, he only read half of Boogie Nights before he met with Paul Thomas Anderson because he was like, I'm liking the script, but I need to know you're not just hiring me because it's interesting to see me like naked in my body because mm. I'm not interested in that stuff. So uh, the fact that in this movie, the two times he shows whatever that Calvin Klein body that was selling ads and stuff, what or doing uh, music videos, funky funk, funky bunch style, Marky Mark, 
they're the two most subversive points of the movie. It's when he's like betting her. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't say slight, uh, it was non-consensual. It's just like, he's pushing the gas harder than he does any other time when he's intimate with her. And uh, so there's that. You finally see the body in a moment where you're like, well, this isn't pure romance no, or like uh-uh. it, you're supposed to, I think have, I love it. It's like a yeah. complicated feeling about your Mark Wahlberg's body in that moment. And then they double down when he scrapes that self-made yeah. tattoo into skin that I was like, this is really subversive that they're yeah. taking this Calvin Klein body and like destroying it. Uh, it's cool that Mark Wahlberg's down for that too. Yeah. That like, he's like, Oh, there's something to see in like, Women uh, like my body. A guy would enjoy seeing this get destroyed. The He's got good penmanship. Yeah, for, especially in the mirror. And he didn't oh, do the Martin Downey talk- Jr. backward swastika on his head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? Though? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the card he writes her, like where he apologizes, he's got... It almost feels like actual Mark Wahlberg penmanship <laughs> yes. because it doesn't seem like that character would, but it does somehow seem like that's what Mark. How does that match in your feelings about children's drawings? Like if you found out that, did it look like it's in character or did it look more to Mark Wahlberg? It, Berger? it didn't look in character, but it felt like Mark Wahlberg wrote it. So <laughs> ultimately I got to come down on the side of it. Good. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, 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 <laughs> The um oh oh when him and his dirtbag friends are like cranking up Bush and listening to Machine Head <laughs> yeah. diegetically, it's not like non diegetic. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of um, I remember here. This is kind of the other end of like oh everybody's listening to Oasis. I would find out like um, before football games the football players would like get revved up for a game in the locker room by like cranking like spells like teeth spirit. Oh, wow. That's great. That's great. <laughs> but that's kind of how I felt like with those guys listening to machine head by yeah. Bush. I was like, don't, that is sacrilegious. <laughs> um, so yeah, I love, this is when I was like, this movie isn't just doing the kids are all right. And the parents are all wrong when, but also getting into kind of like the queasy notions of being a dad that, and it was the most, um, you know, in all these thrillers, there are not all of them. Some of them weren't so good, but like where you go like, Oh, the fuck? I don't want that. It's like frustrating. Yeah. I knew I was like on the hook of this movie when she knew he was bad she was ready to move on. The dad only really had to come in and like hug her. Yeah. But instead he turns it around about like, well, this wouldn't have happened if you hadn't been kind of like being a shit recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, to have that be how the rest of the movie like unfolds and kind of like complicates itself is a thousand times more interesting than the dad who was like, how did I meet this crazy teenage boy terrorizing my family. It's weird how the father and the stepmother kind of have reverse trajectories where she starts out and she's like kind of... You're too easy. Yeah, because you would think it would be the... 
and she's really like hard on her and then she becomes the shoulder to cry on when the dad becomes kind of distant and yeah i mean that's it's funny because it's effective it's in making the dad feel disempowered it's yeah. like oh shit this i at least had some emotional tether to her i'm losing it and she's now getting it with the stepmom who yeah. didn't have it before and then that, like another nice moment of it's not a nuanced moment but when you find out what's going on it is after the confrontation on the hood of the car and he starts doing the Matthew McConaughey chest thumping. Yeah. You just think like he's doing some primal gorilla thing. I, you, they're not yeah. telegraphing that he's bruising himself. You only find that later. You just think, oh, this is some twisted shit. Yes. To find out there's a purpose makes it even better. I know, but that, the, that reminds me that was the second most memorable thing to the finger banging. The roller coaster yeah. scene was that he hits himself and causes a bruise. Oh, and also the I pop both of your cherries now thing was also the main thing people always talked about but i remember and nicole forever uh the the first time i watched it it was he starts pounding himself somebody goes what's he doing i'm like so i'm watching it i'm going wow that's cool they're basically saying like this guy has so much rage he couldn't take it out on the dad so all he can do is just like beat himself up i was like that's as a kid, I remember thinking, yeah. that's going further than a lot of these movies do. At the moment, I'm kind of like going like, huh, I hear somebody go, what's that? <laughs> what's he doing? Then another person, the one person who sees the movie, giving himself a bruise. Oh, wow. So the dad, so they think it's the dad. This is like, it's so funny that I mean, that alters your entire experience yeah. of the movie. It's just like, what's he doing? Making a bruise look like so the dad did it. See, did that person seen the movie? I don't want to seem super dumb, but I... I no, that person think... had seen that movie. Oh, okay. It was oh. the one person who's seen a movie and is like, yeah, you're going to find out in 30 seconds of the oh, dad. son of a bitch. Don't blame the dad for that. Yeah. Um, uh, the... Um, yeah, he, he... There's kind of a scrappy scene when he's listening through the record and a nopey scene kind of built in, in that when she's like, so he's just a boy who was afraid of saying that he was in foster care. Like you're going to hold that against him. And the cops, there's literally a nopey scene yes. when they try to go to the cops. And I love that. That was maybe one of the best nopies because yeah. it did make you realize how vulnerable you are oh, uh, yeah. as a parent where you're like, well, if somebody is not kidnapped and they left with the person, you want us to do what, yeah. sir? Yeah. Parent for you? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, the uh, oh, when he goes over there too to their dirtbag house, uh, you see that Chucky doll. Yes, definitely. Universal comes through again, uh, licensing their. Uh... Yeah, they they know what they're doing. <laughs> she does some solid reverse driving when she sees him cheating on her, and she runs out of that party too. Yeah, she reverses straight across that bridge. Also, that uh, scene where they're trying to make him look. Maybe my least favorite thing in the movie is uh, well, in any movie is when somebody found something out because they went and spied and found yeah, out on their own. And also, or, I don't think they needed to go as dark with him as they did. A little would have gone a long way because that it's weird. They think they're putting in a punch, <laughs> but that's when the movie starts, like you said, devolving. Yeah. Where like they they actually start pulling their punches because they're making it now go beyond. You know, not to always say funeral attractions like that, but it's just like Alex really never does anything that a person who is like obsessed wouldn't right. probably consider doing. Yeah. Once the gang comes in, this is just like, well, this isn't the heightened version of the experience that everybody has where it's like, 
Kids are keeping secrets from the parents. The parents are trying to figure out what's going on. And that confusion leads to mayhem. And yeah. then now it's like, wait, he, it's so funny too that it's like, I assume what they're smoking in that thing is pot. I but thought, it's like, oh my God, they're depraved guys who force a woman into a three way and fight over, but maybe worst of all, crack. they smoke pot pot oh yeah or do you think it was crap i think it was pot but i was questioning as well because it's a weird looking peace pipe yeah um the scene though yeah it does go over the top but when he chases Alyssa milano down on the road and threatens her it's a scary scene and her performance is very real and he's very menacing yeah, that that no, one that got chase me. was great. Yeah, and her acting was awesome. Yeah, and then that ex- whole thing when he comes up to her in the car, um, that really was kind of like the best version of whatever that thing that happened in the nineties, uh, like those Fred Savage TV movies and stuff of like abusive boyfriend, Ooh. the the tick 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 boom boyfriend, like was just a. Th- and it's funny. It's like watching this. It's like oh, this is the good version like when i saw that scene between the two of them the crazy boyfriend terrorizing the friend scene is like as done as like believably and well as possible yeah. in that scene yeah. also the um i thought like um oh but it's funny because it is against the other chasing scene which is pretty ridiculous seeing a guy with a black sweatshirt tucked into light colored jeans with a belt running through a forest chasing a guy. I know. What a weird... Yeah. <laughs> and then he jumps on and cracks his neck. But just God, seeing a guy with a tucked in clear. shirt yeah. cracking somebody's yeah. neck is like incongruent. And Gary gets a hell of a head start and still... Gary is so funny because it's literally like such a recursion that it's like they almost use the same camera setup. I know. The first two times that he like... The two times he sees him. And... He's like really only there to be the victim of a misunderstanding. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Wrong place, wrong time. She should have been with him though. He was the good boy. That's right. You know, I think if she would have met that guy after college Definitely. and had an experience, a run of bad boys. And she's like, you know what? I'm just looking to settle down with a person who loves me. Yeah. She would have gone with uh, him. Well, Gary, um, Gary Tramer, the, um, <laughs> Gary Traver, the when the parents come together, or the daughter, and this is like the last twenty minutes when they come together, and they're like, "We know he's a creep. We're going to protect you from him." But she's just having a kind of going through the breakup, and he goes, "The pain will go away." Yeah, I've thought um, it might won't be the most difficult because who's to say? But like as a parent. I think that might be a very difficult concept to get across because when I was mopey and heartbroken for three years, high school into college, pining over a girl or whatever, or subsequent breakups, people would say that to me and I never believed them. Mm -hmm. Even after I got over a breakup and moved on, I still couldn't believe people. But like, how in the fuck are you going to explain to a teenager don't worry, you'll fall in love again and this feeling will return. I don't know how you do it other than actually what he did by following it up with, I promise. And it's actually Sweet. a promise you can 
make. Yeah. I think fairly. That's true. Yeah. That is true. It is a promise you And then uh, the only thing I could think is just tell your child about a time when it happened to you. Like, don't try to take away their pain because you can't really, but maybe you can say, here, I was there, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. interesting because my parents, you know, they were high school sweethearts. So oh, wow. When I was going through a breakup, my mom, I, you know, I joked about it, I think a few episodes ago where I was like, my mom was probably like, can't my son be just somebody who uh, got caught shoplifting and spent a night in jail? <laughs> why do I have to console him? Why he's like, why doesn't she like me anymore? Uh, but like, uh, uh, so they were definitely always there for their emo son. But, um, yeah, it just reflecting on, they really didn't, I, I don't think they, they fell in love when they were 16 years old, wow. got married uh, when they were in college. Amazing. So like, uh, oh I don't know God. if they ever got to experience the thing that I consider kind of like the, the big challenge I've had to face was like working through the idea that you can't make somebody love you. <laughs> yeah. And I was such a late bloomer. I didn't have to go through that till my twenties. It didn't happen to me in high school or before that. And Oh, I had to like learn it uh, yeah, many times. Yeah. 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 And then my thirties too. Yeah. My big one was actually in my early thirties was my like formative one. But that's awesome. Then, then you know, you're on the other side. And yeah. But it, uh, it taught me some lessons I needed to learn and it probably too late you like know. what well just no nah, you can't have it all your way you know i've mentioned mm -hmm. this before that i was a little bit of a selfish boyfriend when i was younger and that that one taught me like the reason that all happened it was a like a infidelity on her part but i look back now i got she had to get out of there because it was just a mm -hmm. sort of one-way selfish relationship there's nothing sinister or anything it's just like young i've said this many times in this podcast like i wouldn't wish a young man on anyone in a relationship yeah you know? no i mean i thought that uh it's nice to hear you say that uh, it's also like um yeah whatever that i mean i that possessive quality uh is not a good instinct i wasn't that, i was the opposite of possessive i was selfish like oh it oh, wasn't oh. i wasn't like jealous or possessive it was more just like let's do what i want to do you know like tonight oh we, i see we go i see out. that kind of yeah yeah yeah, 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 like, yeah i think i knew i had a bit more of the say somehow mm -hmm. for whatever the dynamic of the relationship mm -hmm. was and i i wasn't fair with that i think you know yeah um yeah um the the uh uh I felt like in the movie there was something like the interesting stuff was the like it, it could be possession in the way that you're talking about too of like I want it to be this way so that's the way it's going to be the like gears that she gets caught in of the dad wanting it to be away and then yeah. your boyfriend wants it to be away. Yeah. I mean, that, she even vocalizes that of like, what makes you think this is about you? This is between him and me. Yeah. Which is an interesting dynamic too. Um, the part when he like first is there and um, uh, when the shit goes out at the party and they kind of in a dangerous way escape and they go down the thing, but he's protecting her. Um I was dating somebody. She was really funny. We were watching that movie, The Proposal, 
uh, uh, mm. with um, Sandra Bullock mm. and Ryan Reynolds. Maybe the last great, eh, not the last great, just a really great romantic comedy. Uh-huh. I also thought it's funny that this movie is a romantic comedy in reverse, where <laughs> they the family all really likes him at the beginning, yeah. and then by the end they think he's psycho in a romantic yeah. comedy. It's like, oh, your boyfriend is a, ah, oh, we love you. Come <laughs> on in and join the family. <laughs> he's perfect. <laughs> but uh, shit, what was I going to say the before proposal? that? It was a, what? The proposal? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a really funny winning movie. And there's a part where Sandra Bullock falls out of it's. It's the point when you want to go. Ryan Reynolds is right for Sandra Bullock in this movie, and it works. She falls out of a boat. He gets the boat to go around. He picks her up out of the water, throws a big towel around her, gets her dry, and whispers, "Everything's going to be okay. You're safe." And uh, the person I was dating leaned over. I was like, that is pornography for women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I thought like that was the thing with that party. It was like the dad was like, got to go to work. And then she goes to the party. The party gets like the cops come in and then the boyfriend like makes her feel safe. It's like, it was yeah. pretty easy to figure out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the, uh, oh, when he goes to that party, um, he shows up at a party. Also, I wish we had more malls in these movies. When that oh, mall showed up, it made me cozy, cozy, cozy. I wish we had more malls in this world. <laughs> yes. Uh, much like Halloween Resurrection, which they had some real deal teen extras and party scenes in those movies. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that look like true yeah. 90s kids. Yes. There is a part oh, where I Mark Wahlberg goes thing. to a party and there's was, some extras. I was thinking the same thing. There couldn't be a more obvious version of... There is prepubescence, pubescence, and postpubescence. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg's on the other side of post. Yeah. The people around him are all yeah. in midst. Yeah. They're all like, nah. <laughs> they look. They look like real people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no, but it's also uh, like with this understanding, like this is a hardcore party. But these are just. <laughs> uh, I was also just that Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon are in it is a. Uh, it's kind of one of those things that is cool about a movie where as time goes on and those people become bigger and bigger stars with more longevity, the movie kind of gets burnished by it because yeah, you go. They would have. They would never do this movie later in their career. Even yeah. Even though they would have aged out of it but this type of but it makes this movie also seem cool or like better product or whatever because you're like it ain't lily sobieski no it's reese witherspoon and that's not uh skeet ulrich that's mark Wahlberg. like it is it's vintage in the sense of like a wine it's aged well and brantley's notes that the director said that this is the only film of his where his residuals have been going up because more and more people are finding this movie I mean, anytime fear gets mentioned, people go, I love that movie. It's like... But it still lives on its like middling rating because I I don't think it was a huge success when it came out and it wasn't critically acclaimed because it was probably just lumped in with a lot of these type of movies. But Mm -hmm. I saw that I think it was like a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes and I think it's a better film than that. Maybe it is than what we can talk about now that kind of like the last, you know, the... That ending where it kind of becomes, yeah. uh, if the movie is like the tension of this triangle between a father, a daughter, and the daughter's boyfriend, they're just completely evaporating that triangle by inviting 
multiple family members, her friends, a dog, Mark <laughs> Wahlberg with six of his cronies. Like I said, it, the movie sort of so could have been an inverted pyramid where it just got like down to this yes. final point down to the three of them it should have been the three of them yeah and in, it did like on a but, boat but they were like <laughs> fucking she's just standing there watching them throw each other around a room and fighting and and i was like this is when they should be most getting in the nitty-gritty of like why is it weird to get this intense about a woman who is either your daughter or the person you love. Like, yeah, instead no. he just picked him. I mean, the death when he picked him up and threw him out a window and then he just went splat on a rock. But not only that, but he he seemed to have flown a hundred yards from the house. That was such a fucking funny Papa Bear energy fantasy oh, of yeah. like this older dude who couldn't like lift up one of Mark Wahlberg's biceps <laughs> somehow has the power to lift a WWE style above his head and launch him. Like you're right. It's like bazooka launch him and through keep a window. In mind, giant boulders couldn't go through this glass of yeah. this house earlier. They should have started this movie when he meets him the first time and, and David leaves and, and she goes, Nicole goes, well, what do you think dad? I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. <laughs> And then at the end, he throws him out and turns to her and goes, turns out I trust him a lot. <laughs> Man, that is so good. That would have made this movie a 9.5 on IMDb. <laughs> that kind of ending, it would have redeemed that. I thought you said of... you didn't trust him, Dad. Um, That's all for my notes. Yeah. Oh, there was kind of a, a little scrapbook psycho box when he goes into the thing and he finds like the family photo of him with the family yeah. and her underwear um remind me of when um but he put himself in that photo or did they take that photo did i, I miss think that? they took that photo oh, but i missed that oh but maybe he took his head and put it on william Peters i thought he body. did because i thought he saw that photo in the house yes but- you're right which is so funny that he was crafting it up He's like, oh, yeah, this guy's a dork. I mean, there was Photoshop back then, but I don't think he was using it. <laughs> no, I think he got that exacto pen yeah, with yeah. some school photos. With the, the work. bracelet and the panties and then. Uh, yeah. And that whole moment of finding the photo thing. Um, uh, yeah. Then he trashes their house. Oh, no. David trashes his house first. Then he goes and trashes his friend's house. Um Uh, Oh, I like that moment when, um, even though I was kind of getting away from like psychological horror and stuff, but the drill through the hand part was pretty cool. Yes, it was great. A couple of notes though. I got confused about what side it was on. Like the 180 line got. Oh, (laughs) but it's just funny to me. Like, I guess she could pin his hand down, but it just seemed like he allowed it to happen. But then- him just yeah, he getting, should be screaming, why wouldn't I just move? I know, but he just got, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, he just got a drill in the hand, but he leaves going like, I'm out. I got to go to the hospital, man. I'm done for. Yeah. You wouldn't want that guy in your squad. No, if he gives up that weenie squad. Yeah. Um, oh, and also it kind of loses me with the, um, all the gunplay and yeah, gang no. shooting. It's just like, that's becomes a, and it's yeah, just those a, 90s movies can't resist going action-y. And the fact that he just kills his main buddy. Yeah. 
It's just so, it's such a different, you know, a, a big change that's happened in the last 20 years. Maybe because of budget. It's just, it doesn't go into action climax. It yeah. goes into like, if anything, smaller and quieter. Yeah. Um, this just feels like a sprint to the finish, kind of like. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, Yeah, the other bands in there was The Sundays, To mm. the Wet Sprocket, Prick, and then also there was two songs in the credits by Mark Wahlberg, Illist, and Irie Vibe. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, oh, last, last thing. Um, well, too, they got their jab in at Trashy TV. The security guard was watching Married with Children. That's right. And uh, The Stepson. I Toby. love that stepson. He's so fucking funny. All this mayhem is going on around the house. This little dork in a flannel shirt, like parted down middle hair. He would have been like my age, yeah. like just a couple years before that. He's like, I think I can squeeze through the window. <laughs> he goes and he gets into a car and then he backs over the guy. And it seems like at the end, after he backs the guy, he should go like, oh. Wizard. Ah, <laughs> yes. Didn't it seem like when that guy shot into the car and the way the kid fell against the yes. I thought, oh, he was he, shot. I thought he was shot too, was but like, he wow, just this really put his tooth on the wheel like a weirdo. <laughs> uh, uh, the um, And he calls 911. You know, he really does save the day. Uh, but yeah, uh, at the very end, the last cre- one of the last credits it said was, uh, no animals were harmed in the making of this film. Uh, I thought it'd be funny if it was like, except for the dog whose head we cut off. <laughs> that would be silly, though. Yeah, but that did look that. real. I have to say that was a pretty good looking prosthetic. Yeah. Hey, uh, that's near the end of real deal practical... I mean, it's the houses, effect houses were built for yeah, that. Yeah. Pantheon of animal heads, the Godfather, Fear. That, I gotta else? say, is more extreme than this movie suggests. Definitely. It doesn't, it doesn't seem that like the decapitated me. dog movie. No. That's when I was like, and, and that's what also makes the ending feel a little yep. odd because you're going like, well, this is, it's like kind of uh, prurient, like, Mm-hmm. But it's serious. So if you're going to go this direction, then you got to. And the gang gotta, is maybe doing it, not him. Yeah. I mean, was, there was something well, really. I think he did do it because he's the one calling, calling the dog it. at the dark. Yeah. I didn't know if he just called it, though, for his friends to do it. Oh, maybe. But, I also uh, thought maybe there was a cut scene where he had taken the dog whistle or something. Yeah. Do. I mean, that's weird to check off dog whistle yeah. to set it up. But like, because um, I did like. Um, that was really freaky to me this idea of like if a dog does know who you are then why would he which is like kind of like when most people are murdered or by somebody they know who knows them sorry dogs (laughs) you're not gonna do a lot of protecting i know uh yeah with this um the idea that uh, your boyfriend your dog thinks he's safe and your boyfriend knows your security code. I was like, Ooh. oh, those are two kind of like cool little extensions yeah. on when somebody gets to know you intimately that can turn around on you. But yeah, so best thrill? I mean, for me, there's a few. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the like scary dark dog head. I found the scene where he 
tracks down Alyssa Milano, pretty thrilling. The kissing her forehead while looking at the dad. It'd be one of those. Oh, and also I throw in there, uh, you mentioned, I think, mine in there. But one that I did think, you mentioned previously, the eye hole scene where he's going crazy through it. It's funny because, you know, Come Down plays like twice in this movie. The Come Down video is all like eye hole. That's right. Like Like every 90s video. Yeah. So what's yours? Uh, Oh, um, I think it is the Alyssa Milano confrontation by her car. I was like... This is an intense scene. Yeah. Yours too? Yeah. Hey, cool. All right, let's recap what we gave these. It says a lot about that, the dog dog head. It, it really didn't hit the mark if yeah. that's not the best thrill. Fatal Traction, double 13s from both of us. Tough to beat, literally. Pacific Heights, eights from both of us. Sleeping with the Enemy, gave it a 9.5. You gave it a 9. Hand That Rocks the Cradle, I gave it 11. You gave it 11.5. Raising Cain, uh, I gave it a 5. You gave it 10. Consenting Adults, I gave it a 6. You gave it a 5.5. Um, uh, sorry. Thank you for doing this. Uh, sliver, I gave it a 5. You gave it a 3.5. And here we are with fear. All right. So for me, it's in contention with Hand That Rocks the Cradle. And I'm trying to think which one I... And I gave that a... Yeah, it's in contention with Hand That Rocks the Cradle for me. And I've decided which one I like more or less. Okay, just a sec. Let me... I gave that an 11. Okay. And I gave it an 11 and a half. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go 11. I'm going to tie them. I like Damn. Them. I love that. It's going to be tough when we, right after this, have to rank them. That is cool. Yeah. I what, love that. What are you giving it? Um, At 10 and a half. Okay. All right. So take a second to think about it. Let's okay. rank these eight bad boys. All right. I think I have mine because I've been keeping a letter private letterbox list. You have. Secret devil. Well, here I get to do the fun thing of I'll just go in the order that we watched them, but then just plug them in. Uh, you know, as I go along. Did we talk about how the reverso reverso title of this would be Courage? Yes, that's right. I mean, you, uh, we first mentioned in the first episode, and you did all those funny ones, but this one would be. <laughs> Courage, yeah, and fear, which could work title. because for her, it would, it's yes. just as applicable. Courage is to her as right. fear is to her. What's a um? What was the we watched? Uh, Fatal Attraction, Pacific Heights, Sleeping with the Enemy, then Hand the Rocks the Cradle, Hand then Consenting Adults or Raising Cain? Consenting Cain. Yeah. Okay. Let me just see if I like my list. Um. Okay, I've got mine. We're still here. We're here. Okay, I got it. Okay, well, should we start with number eight? Uh, Yeah. Go for it. Sliver. 
I'm gonna raid his raising cane. Maddie. I'm sorry. Matt! I'm sorry. Oh my god! Oh my god! Wow. Now, okay. I think my justification okay. for this, I kind of explained in the Sliver episode, and that was Sliver is a worse movie, but I enjoyed the process of picking it apart more than I did. And it'd be picking something apart. You'd be more likely to rewatch. Yes, yeah. yes. I, okay, so I hear you. I apologize. I, I apologize. I hear you. Number seven. Uh, you say you're number seven. Sliver. Uh, Pacific Heights. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Number six. Six for me was consenting adults. That's my number six as well. Six as in sex, as in sex between <sighs> six, neighbors. Six, six, the devil's sex. Um, now, the next one for me is sleeping with the enemy. My number five is Pacific Heights. Hey, all right. Okay. And now we're in the top four. Top four. This is the top half. My number four might surprise you, Raising Cane. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. My number four is sleeping with the enemy. Hey, ours both divisible by four. Mine was fourth and yours was eighth ranked. That's right. Yeah. And it sounds like our top three are the same. Whether they're in the same order, we'll find we'll out. We'll find out. We'll find out. So. Uh, uh, number three. Yeah. Fear. Fear. Yeah. Number two. Hannah Rocks, Rocks the Cradle. cradle. Number, number one. one fatal attraction. attraction. Wow. What were your top eight listeners? listeners? Uh, I'm curious because I bet if I had to have a hunch, Fatal Hand and Fear probably are going to usually be around the top for people. Yeah. Maybe I'm Projecto. I think you're probably right. Um, I'm going to make this list public. And I could see... Sleeping with the enemy. I mean, some love. Yeah, I. You know, I had that up there. And it's I almost was, like to to tell somebody you liked consenting adults is to be like, I just bought a copy of Mind Comp for something. It's like, oh, what's that say about you? Yeah, <laughs> there was like, the one guy on a Patreon who said that uh, his dad <laughs> bought a laser disc of consenting adults. He was like, I don't know what that says about. Jeez, <laughs> who would want a laser disc of that to? Oh, I had these films in my list, but prior to watching Fear, I had it much lower. Mm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it really, yeah, it really earned its place. The um, surprise for me was how great Hand the Rocks to Cradle was. I should have known because Curtis Hansen, I've liked all of his movies a lot. But, yeah. um, and then how baffling sliver was was yeah. like also a really fun thing to get to see yeah that was like an experience. how how cuckoo that was definitely an experience planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, uh, uh, boy, I, I hate to see you go, but I love ending. to watch you leave. Uh, we both said something over each other. I said, this is my yuppie nightmare that this is ending. Yeah. And you said, I hate to see. I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you. Or the, the good, good Lord, Lord uh, you know, split you. 
Let's talk what's coming up. Next up for this month, the third or fourth Tuesday of the month, I forget what date that is, you'll get the Halloween Ends discussion deep dive. Yep. Which that, we're, we're that recording is next week. Tuesday, November 29th. Coming up. So we'll see each other next week no, when we 22nd. record that. Sorry, okay, sorry. yeah. Uh, Kennedy, JFK blown away. What else do we have to say? Oh, my Halloween God. Halloween Ends. We, That's what we have to say. Yeah. It's all in there. The answers are all in there. Haddonfield, Michael, my... Loomis has a squinty Michael eye. Michael killed October 31st, 63. Oswald killed November 22nd, 63. <laughs> it's all there. Listen, baby. Um, then we got the uh, score re-ranking episode and a mailbag in yep. December. Yeah. And then coming back with the holiday movies, which we will list what they are, but starting we'll with Black Christmas. We'll have two of them in that month, uh, 23rd and 30th. That's uh, right. The holiday ones. Yeah. 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 So we'll miss you on the regular, but catch you on the flip side late December with the regular. And meanwhile, you you won't get that Halloween ends episode unless you're a Patreon subscriber. Right. So get in on yes, this. Yes, I know. It's real fun. Like, it's, I mean, with all the episodes that we've done here, nearly a hundred, right? And those being yeah. probably around two, two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Like- 250 hours, hours of, of content. yakking and then with the commentaries and the mailbags forget that's it that's another 100 and not to mention that the uh Friday the 13th the Michael and the Freddy movies are all behind the paywall that's right and and likely the aliens will go behind soon so yeah get on so you can listen to all the episodes yeah all right thank cool, you dude. for listening and thank uh, you yeah thanks so much everybody and thank you Matt, for another uh, uh fun season yes you too my friend it was a great way to go out with some pizza and happy holidays everybody and then to that effect enjoy this christmas song by townland Woo! bye <laughs> candy man <laughs> Families in a field, the trees are tender box, mothers in a mood. It's Christmas on the rise, the goose is
the parting shots I've got the whiskey flu Another Christmas on the content, head over to patreon.com slash with Worley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early, plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Worley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candy.